it's like you can't vote for both. Yeah. <laughs> you have to vote for one or the other. I'm like, wait, so many of them voted for Cheryl. Is no one gonna vote for AC? Yeah, no. The last time I saw a vote this bullshit on this show, the town was disbanded. <laughs> yeah, these people don't know how voting works. <laughs> Hiram, Hiram was literally like, one, two, three, I win. <laughs> Hello and welcome to our Riverdale podcast brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 26-year-old actor and artist. I like brooding anti-heroes, feminist agendas, and I have way too much knowledge regarding details that no one else remembers. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere. And our fun fact for this episode is what is your favorite alien? Um, now, I was thinking about saying Pleakley from Lilo and Stitch, but I don't want to step on anybody's toes. So, so I'm gonna, I'm just gonna go with the doctor from Doctor Who. He's an alien. Yes. Then why does he sound like he's from the north? He sounds like a lot of different things. Uh, you know, to be fair, I know nothing about Doctor Who, so I guess I shouldn't be surprised that he's an alien. (laughs) So, if you're listening to this podcast, you're thinking "Mm, something's different here. Something's different, I think. And my name is Brittany Ray. I'm a 31-year-old <laughs> artist and journalist from beautiful post-apocalyptic Vancouver, BC. So listen, you guys, we knew that this was going to uh, potentially happen. But uh, Thursday night, when we are supposed to record the podcast, Brittany's sister goes into labor. And uh, I was kind of disappointed um, because I was like, oh, man, I loved this episode so much. I really wanted to talk to you guys about it. But then I went and I was like, Okay, I gotta grab myself some pinch hitters, and I brought in Casey and Dave. So, um, so everything's good. everything's okay, and everything's gonna be good. So, Casey, you have been on this podcast before. I sure have. Can you introduce yourself? Um, yeah. Well, hi, my name is Casey. Yeah, the last time I was on this podcast was just over a year ago. Um, mm-hmm. when I was sitting in your apartment and we were watching Varsity Blues together. Um, not yeah. the movie, the Riverdale episode, <laughs> and it was a great time. And- and I haven't been anywhere since then, so I'm very upset. But if you don't remember that, hi, I'm Casey. Um, I'm 24 years old and I live in Rhode Island. During the week, I'm an administrative assistant and digital strategist. And on the weekends, I run my small business, Lost and Found Candle Co., where I make fandom-inspired soy candles. Um, you can follow me personally on Twitter at CaseyWatchesTV, or you can keep up with my candles at LF candle co pretty much everywhere we stand i love it thank you so much um i've got a couple more questions for you but i want to introduce dave first so that we can like all talk about it together i can't wait to hear where dave is from (laughs) you guys have definitely heard about dave ever since this season started dave was the one who called it being jelly bean and um dave's been sending in stuff all season so we thought you know who needs to come on Dave. Iconic. (laughs) Introduce yourself, Dave. Hi, my name's Dave. I'm an overly credentialed professional from a small New England town. I like tea parties with my toddler and cooking for family and friends. I can be found on Twitter at 1701Trekkie, where I talk about Star Trek, vaguely positive good morning and good night affirmations, and retweeting people who are more interesting than me. And I am definitely not Hugo Reyes's imaginary friend. Oh my god, that's so so funny, because every time you guys bring up Dave, all I can think of is Dave from Lost. (laughs) I had completely forgotten that Dave from Lost existed. And I'm like, no, Casey, there are more Daves. (laughs) I'd forgotten he existed and was reminded of the fact, and I'm like, oh my god, what if I'm an imaginary person? Oh god. 
That's a dark mm-hmm. hole to go down. We've all been there. So let's let's next talk about how Riverdale came into your lives. <laughs> Kay- Casey, yours is yours is a little uh well, I think both of both for both of you, I am to blame, I believe. Yeah, Robin is to blame for most of my TV shows. I feel to blame and I don't regret it. You, you are the cause and solution to all of our problems. I think what you're trying to say is that I'm very influential, and I thank you. Honestly, if you look up influencer in the dictionary, I don't want to see, like, none of those TikTok stars. I want to see a photo of Robin E. Jeffrey, because she is the definition of one who influences, okay? I just wanted to say that no one in my class in grade 10 had read The Hunger Games until I did. Ooh, yeah. Um, she's an influencer, folks. The Hunger Games in grade 10? Oh, yep. Y'all are so young. We're just babies. So I think, so I think, Casey, what happened with you is that I made you, and then you were like, okay. <laughs> you made me. <laughs> That's a sense. And then with, but then Dave decided to do this on his own. Oh, Dave. Oh, this was a mistake. It, it's the end of days, okay? <laughs> it's the end of Dave's. We can't be blamed for the things that we do in the end of days. So true. <laughs> uh, yeah, Robin was my influencer. Um, I was one of those people who just wanted to listen to my friends talk some more. So I started listening to the Riverdale podcast without watching Riverdale. That was a journey. And needless to say, I then began watching the show. And now I'm here. I'm so far down this rabbit hole. Like there's, there's no escaping. Mm -hmm. There's, yeah, there's no going back. Um, But I've enjoyed every step of the way. I got here just because, oh, there's, uh, there's a podcast for Star Trek Picard. And I just needed someone to talk to about Star Trek Picard. And there's a million Star Trek podcasts. But the fact that you guys were doing just this one, among other things, so I listened to the Picard podcast. I picked it up towards the end. And then when it was over, I was like, oh, but I like those people. And I just figured <laughs> out whose voices were which. That's so cute. I love that. Like, that's the that's what I love about podcasts. It's just like, I enjoy hanging out with these people. Like, I don't get to see many, like, humans these days. So I kind of enjoy just, you know, having conversations in my car with people who can't respond to me. Um, but it's fun. I only gently correct. Um, yeah. <laughs> there is a very fine line between that and mansplaining. <laughs> and you walk it so well. Oh. You do. You walk the walk. I am terrified to be the first male voice on this podcast. Oh my god, fun fact number one. <laughs> like, uh, we always just had... Um, like, just all our guests have always just been female. And so it's like, Dave, wow. Uh Leading the way, truly. He is a trailblazer. So who are some of your guys' favorite characters? Um, Dave, why don't you uh why don't you start us off? So it it's the thing where whenever I'm watching a TV show, I just like the whole show. Like mm-hmm. if someone asks me, Oh, like who's your favorite Star Trek characters? I don't have a favorite Star Trek character. Well, who's your favorite captain? I I like them all. They're all good for different things. And so when I'm looking at Riverdale, all of the characters do different things. I I don't like one of them more than I like anybody else because like they're all my children. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I I feel the same way like, you know, I mean, I do have favorites, but like they are they like I totally understand the the feeling of being like these are my babies and I'm protecting my children. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. Some of them need it more than others. Yeah. <laughs> 
but we'll oh we'll we'll get into that. There was one where I was like, Oh my baby, he's doing something good. Oh no, no he's not. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> and Casey, what about you? I already know the answer, but what why don't you tell us again? Um let's talk about my favorite characters. My top two are definitely Cheryl and Tony, both mm-hmm. together and like as individuals, which I think is very important. Also Sweet Pea. Um, that is, that is my baby. He's not doing much this season, but I'm just thrilled that he's still here. Where was he this episode? I'm surprised he's even here. I thought that they weren't even going to have him in the time. Just the fact that he's here, I'm elated. I, he's playing in a band at the White Worm some nights and Mm -hmm. living his best life. And I just, I love that for him. And I'm just thrilled that he's he stuck around doing what who really knows um but he's here (laughs) they didn't even say he went to college like i don't know (laughs) he was just taking care of riverdale and um Mm -hmm. i'm just i'm so happy he's still here i'm still frustrated that he didn't show up like there there Mm -hmm. was definitely a time this episode where well who are these two guys why is neither of them sweet pea oh my god (laughs) literally literally imagine sweet pea as a firefighter Oh my god, he'd be so good at it, and he'd like, oh my god, he'd like save like cats from trees and stuff, and like he's so tall, and oh, he I really, uh, <gasps> I loved the part where Archie was like, Jackson, here are the guys, and I'm like, <laughs> you only know two of these men. <laughs> this is Kevin Fangs and some other randos that I've <laughs> never talked about once. The guys. Yep. Whatever. Alright, so guys. today we have words to say about episode 507 of Riverdale, Fire in the Sky. So Fire in the Sky was a 1993 American biopic science fiction mystery film. It was based on Travis Walton's book, The Walden Experience, which describes an extraterrestrial abduction. Imagine having a book and calling it the whatever your last name is experience. I'd be like, welcome to my book, The Jeffrey Experience. Wow. You know what? If you're going to get abducted by aliens, like just lean into that as hard as you can. And I think that's what mr travis walton did have either of you ever seen this movie no i haven't but i did find a fun fact that i'm proud of which is that uh one of the actors in the movie uh robert patrick he plays like one of the main characters apparently and he starred in the x-files as agent doggett Mm. which i actually learned from the fire in the skies wikipedia page that chris carter who is the creator of the x-files he actually was like impressed by robert patrick's performance and like that's what encouraged him to like bring robert patrick on to the x-files and i just thought that was really cool that's really cool because the season is like quite obviously like paying homage to the x-files in like pretty major ways um and i just thought that was a pretty neat fact I remember seeing the trailer for that movie when it was coming out, and just, it's a terrifying trailer. Just the trailer was terrifying. I never got around mm. to seeing the rest of the movie itself. But, yeah. uh, hey, Robin, there's something we forgot to do. We're, are we going to do Tudor Boot? <gasps> no, we forgot to uh, talk about Casey and my favorite alien. Oh my god! We totally forgot about our aliens! Oh my god, I totally forgot! Yes, please tell me about your favorite alien! Man, me talking about my favorite alien and just not even asking you guys about your oh favorite alien? Oh my Ugh, god. I'm the asshole. The listeners are probably sitting on the edge of their seats <laughs> like, I want to know what their favorite aliens are. I gotta know, I gotta know what she's gonna choose. Hmm, 
Yeah, so, uh, Robin, do you have a question for me? Uh, Casey, what's your favorite alien? Funny you ask. My favorite alien would have to be, hands down, the alien that I have the most merch of um, out of any alien in existence, and that is my boy Stitch Experiment 626 from Lilo and Stitch. I got to meet him in Disney World when he was dressed up as Elvis for Halloween, and I have photos, and it was one of the greatest experiences of my life. Um, Great day that was. Yeah, truly iconic. Yeah. Dave, who's your favorite alien? Tell us now, quick. You're asking this of somebody who's a Star Trek main on his Twitter? Correct. Oh, Oh, my, well, my picture is uh, a blue alien race called Benzites. They're like blue Zoidberg looking dudes. But if I got to pick one, like I got to love Q from Star Trek, the next generation. He, he's omnipotent. Oh, God. Oh, my God. My roommate, Emily, would murder you. Wow. Wait, is Emily not a Q fan? Emily's going to murder me for other things tonight. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I think that's an incredible choice. I love Q. Like, he, there's so much going on with him. I, I probably read more into him than he is, but... Me at anything, yep. Really do enjoy him. John Delancey's great at what he does. Oh, my God. He's fantastic. I never actually got around to seeing Breaking Bad, but I hear it was awesome in that, too. So, yeah, no. If I had to gun to my head, it's Q, and Emily has another reason to kill it. Yeah. <laughs> so, now we are going to do Toot or Boot. So, if you guys are not familiar, um, Toot or Boot is basically our ranking system um, that we stole from RuPaul's fashion photo review. And Toot is good. Boot is bad. Newt is in the middle. Scoot is the worst, and Shoot is the best. So let's start with Casey. Would you like to tutor boot this episode? I will give this episode a solid toot. I thought it was really great when I first watched it, and then afterwards I started thinking more about it, and I was like, how much did we like really learn this episode? (laughs) And I was like, you know, nothing like that major happened, and then I was also like, oh, aliens happened. So I think that at least deserves a two mm-hmm. minimum true what about you dave oh i'm gonna give it a shoot why not wow Ooh. i love everything that was going on in this episode i enjoyed mm-hmm. everything that was going on in each of the in each of the storylines there was some stuff that dovetailed in really nicely from one thing to another and i i love jackson i love what he's doing i believe yes. that is the first shoot of this season on this podcast. Um, yeah, of the season, for sure. And you know what? That works out because I was actually going to give it, like, a toot, but, like, just on the cusp of, of shoot. Um, just because, like, the other episodes of this show that I have given shoots, like, I want them kind of to stay on the pedestal that they're at. Um, but I really loved this episode. And it was, like, such a flip from last episode because last episode I also had to watch all by myself. And I was like, why am I doing this? This, mm-hmm. is, this is reminding me just... I don't really understand why I'm here. Um, And this episode reminded me why I'm here because I had just like the best time. It felt like a classic episode of Riverdale in which like there's just a whole bunch of storylines and you get very, very short bite-sized scenes that's just interspersed between the storylines. I loved it. And I think at the end of last episode, I was saying that like this episode that we're about to talk about was written by Ted and historically we've really enjoyed ted's episodes and that guy did not let us down he did not let us down (laughs) sure didn't what other episodes did ted do what a great cute fun question let me get that for you thank you so much i want i want to give you i want to give you that information i would love to know that information ted sullivan star sign taurus 
Ooh, fancy. Oh, he's a producer on Discovery as well, uh, Dave. <gasps> oh, wow. Okay, writer, 15 credits. Riverdale, uh, quiz show, Killing Mr. Honey, and Fire in the Sky. Oh, my God. Yeah, keep Ted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He knows what he's doing. I've always I've always loved you, Ted. And he also wrote uh, four episodes of Discovery, it looks like. Dang. Ooh, which ones? Leith, Lith, What's Past is Prologue, Brother, and Light and Shadows. Good for Ted. Those are good episodes. Brother's a really good episode, too. Anyway, Ted, I love you. Thank you so much for your work. You're my guy. I, I think Ted is also like one of my favorite writers to of Riverdale to follow on Twitter as well. He's just like, great. So um, let's get into the episode, you guys. Let's do it. Do we have thoughts from listeners? No, not no thoughts from listeners uh, this episode. Unless you want to come in, Dave, and be like, hi, I'm usually the person who sends in thoughts <laughs> from listeners. Here are my thoughts. However, you get to talk all, all this whole episode, so it's up to you. No, you you went out of your way to prevent me from sent, writing in anything last week. It's true. I did extra. It's true. I did extra research. Yeah. So we split this episode into five storylines, Shoni, Jughead, Veronica, Archie, and Betty. So we are going to start with Shoni. And um, you guys, how kind is Sam that Sam was like, listen, my sister-in-law is in labor, but I'll write you some summaries since I can't be on the podcast. She wrote the Betty storyline summary and the Shoni storyline summary. And um, I haven't read this yet, so I'm doing a cold read, just looking forward to the jokes that Sam made in this summary. So Thank you, Sam. She is an icon and a star. Cheryl descends from her mountaintop to challenge her pregnant ex-girlfriend to a dance battle over the reins of a cheer squad. (laughs) Tony's like, um, ma'am, I'm extremely pregnant and I'm not doing that. (laughs) One of the vixens offers to dance for her. They dance and are equally good, which is low-key embarrassing for Cheryl. (laughs) Tony suggests that they share the vixens. This was all a plot to lure Cheryl out. I love it. Tony walks into vixen practice to find Cheryl berating the girls and making them run laps. Tony isn't happy about it and she cancels the practice when one of the girls gets hurt. She tells Cheryl that she sounds like her mother. Ouch. Later, Cheryl walks into the gym and Tony is there without the vixens. She basically reads Cheryl to filth about her money and privilege. She tells Cheryl that she's the one who cursed herself and caused her own problems. She tells her that her isolation wasn't a sacrifice, it was just selfish. Tony makes a real plea saying she wants Cheryl out there with her being one of the good guys, but she tells her that she has to get her shit together first. Cheryl leaves telling Tony that she's being extremely cruel. When Cheryl gets home, Nana Rose is vibing with Minerva who busted Cheryl's fake painting like immediately. She wants to talk before she calls the cops. Wow. Yay. Thank you to Sam for doing that summary. Sam, that was iconic. Descending from her mountaintop. I love it. Yeah. (laughs) That was iconic. And the reading was also phenomenal. I could hear the Sam. (laughs) So first of all, cheer team is practicing. And we have this like guest star, AC Bonifacio. I hope that's how you say her name. Um, She's a Canadian dancer who was the first winner of Filipino dance competition, Dance Kids. I want to keep her forever. So she's an actual professional dancer. Um, I looked and she doesn't have a character name. Her character didn't get a name, but um, we appreciate her being here. She's phenomenal. And I really am here for her being like the bridge that binds Cheryl and Tony and like becomes their adopted child. Right. I'm here for it personally. She did end up getting, at least she didn't get a number. She's like, yeah, she's Mm. like star or something. Right, yeah, like vixen dancer girl or something like that. But Cheryl shows up and we get another record scratch, which we got last episode. Oh, I didn't even hear it. We need to cool it with the record scratch. We need to cool it with that. We really do, but I do love them. I mean, last episodes was just like, oh my God, this is the most Riverdale thing to ever happen. Yeah. This episode, like you thought it couldn't get more Riverdale and then it did. 
that was iconic the doors slamming the the hair the brows the face just oh god it was so extra so unnecessary and so phenomenal i'm a big fan of this dance off by proxy first of all (laughs) right first of all because she knows the concept of doing stuff by proxy. <laughs> I love how Tony, I loved the way that um, Vanessa delivers the line where Cheryl's like, dance off. And Tony's like, I'm pregnant. <laughs> you you absolute clown. I can't, I can't do anything. Like, girl, this isn't four seasons ago. <laughs> yeah. She calls her Miss Winchester herself. And we saw in uh, a couple episodes ago, like her telling Tony about like the curse of Sarah Winchester and how she kind of sees herself that way. So that's what that reference was. Cheryl says that she was self-isolating. Yeah. <laughs> that hit a little Classic. too close to home. Oh, I'm not ready for reality. There's a reason I stopped watching <laughs> Superstore. Ugh, she was self-isolating yeah. by choice. Can you believe yeah. that? Can't. Could not be me. So um, she's like, okay, give me back my vixens now. And Tony calls her hun. I love how patronizing she's being just to try to like motivate Cheryl. Yeah. It's phenomenal because she knows exactly where to hit Cheryl, like where, not where it hurts, but like where she'll feel it and like where right. she'll react. Like, right. It's been seven years, but she still has like that um, connection with her and she like still knows what's up. And uh, mm-hmm. you can tell the difference between her like goading her in this scene versus like the other scene when she's actually like trying to get through to her and like really like get into like her soul right and i think something that like they're doing really well is showing those like subtle glances in tony's face or the uh, the subtle shifts in her face where you can tell that like she's not doing this to be degrading or to be spiteful Mm -hmm. she's do she has a plan she's doing this to try and get cheryl to like break out of her shell and to become more of who she was again and i think vanessa's just doing like a fabulous job with that like i'm absolutely loving tony's like step up i thank them so much for doing that um it should have happened earlier it really should have and i'm so happy with it like they kept saying yeah tony's gonna get more backstory this season she's gonna get more to do and i was like yeah okay i mean i feel like you guys have been saying that for a while but Mm-hmm. They're really delivering, and it's incredible. And Vanessa's like just an absolute star. It's amazing. Yeah. Oh yeah, and I and you you mentioned it. She's doing such. She's doing so much with her face in in small expressions, like at the end of the dance off scene. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. her face is just so soft. Like she's glad to have Cheryl back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. So can. Can I ask you guys, king of theories, what do you think about the theory that Tony's baby daddy is just like she's being a surrogate for Kevin and Fangs versus like, I think before this like big hiatus that we're going to be having after 510, we're supposed to like learn who the dad is. Like, what do you guys think is going on there? I'm going to be sad if it's not Kevin and Fangs. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think. I'm trying not to get my hopes up because I don't think the writers are bold enough to do that. Right. Um, but also, it's Riverdale. Anything could happen. So true. Um, I I would be so thrilled for her to be a surrogate for Kevin and Fangs. That would make me so happy on so many levels. Um, but I'm just trying to keep my hopes down because I don't know if they'll actually take that step i have a very like strong gut feeling for whatever reason that it's just going to be like some random guy and yeah um, i was about to say like i don't know if it makes sense for it to be anything else at this point 
Literally. And there's, and there's like one random guy like in the previews for next week who's just some random dude. Oh, right. And so I'm like, I, I don't want them to introduce someone as like, oh, this is the father of Tony's child. And why why am I going to care about some dude that they just introduce? Yeah, it just feels like that John Mulaney sketch where he's like, and now we're going to listen to this random guy. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And some random guy is going to show up and we're going to have to pay attention to him. And That's how I feel about Chad. <laughs> oh my oh god, my god. it's like, so the case with Chad. Off. Chadwick Gecko. <laughs> oh my so- god. So AC's character doesn't have a name, but her she's going to dance for Tony. Um, and Cheryl's like, listen, I don't usually like to like hurt high schoolers, but you're really annoying. So sure, like, let's do it. And you know what? This is like definitely like she said it was a dance off. So like, that's OK. But like dancing and cheerleading are not the same thing. They sure aren't. I danced for 10 years. I couldn't tell you the first thing about cheerleading. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, it just doesn't really feel like all of the skill like some of the skill sets i think go together but not all of them mm-hmm. so i don't really know why like a dance off like a dance off is so much like a tradition of of this i don't really get it you know why robin tell me it's riverdale yeah <laughs> well you you can't single person cheer off yeah oh that's true this is true like what are you gonna do like cheer for each other so ac is a professional dancer and it's it's very generous of them to be like it's a tie personally i think ac won no shade to um madeline but ac is obviously a professional dancer who has won dance competitions yeah and it shows she's incredible (laughs) but also madeline has that like flexibility she was just like oh you want me to put my leg to my ear I will do that for you in a graceful fashion. But yeah, AC definitely has the moves. So um, they're like, oh, hey, well, we can share the Vixens, which is obviously Tony's plan all along. And of course, Tony went to school for like psychology and social work. She knows psychology and she's totally working Cheryl and it's working. It's great. Yeah, no, they they get to be uh, HB's IC. <laughs> HB's IC, yeah. <laughs> what? It's a, no, no, you're right. It's an attorney's general situation. here. Yeah, yeah. Oh, attorneys general. That I hate that term. Oh, what did they say on they said on Gilmore Girls uh in a recent episode we were watching um oh, cul-de-sacs? It's cul-de-sac. What, uh no. no. Yes, it is apparently. No way. Uh-huh. Oh, okay, you're right. No. <laughs> How did, yeah, that's correct. You win. According to you got, Casey. Yeah, no. I I remember I remember that scene and I'm pretty <gasps> yeah. sure Lorelai's talking out of her ass. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Isn't she always? Well, that's also true. No more, no more talking out of their ass than oh, this vote's a tie. There is clearly one more person clapping. Yeah, I agree. I know. I did. I almost didn't expect anyone to to clap for Cheryl. To be honest, because mm-hmm. I like you know, it's it's like you can't vote for both. <laughs> Literally, you have to vote for one or the other. I'm like, wait, so many of them voted for Cheryl. Is no one gonna vote for AC? Yeah, no. The last time I saw a vote. This bullshit on this show, the town was disbanded. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah these people don't know how voting works. <laughs> Hiram, Hiram was literally like, one, two, three, I win. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like that's a good one for me. Oh, man. In the next scene, Cheryl has started a practice without Tony, um, and she says, that she's seen a porcelain doll possessed by her deceased brother move faster than them. You know, and, and it's funny for us because we know what she's talking about, but these children don't know you. <laughs> they and I'd be like, excuse me? 
<laughs> like, how did they all not just stop in their tracks and be like, you said what? I'd like to hear that story, please. <laughs> oh, my God. But that's like, this is classic Cheryl. That's the Cheryl mm-hmm. I've missed. Those, yeah. like, one-liners. They're so mm-hmm. good. Is she, like, intending to antagonize? I think so. I think that she just is, like, a different kind of coach. And, like, you know, I, I also think, like, now that I'm thinking about it, it can potentially, like, parallels Bernardo, who's in the Archie storyline, who's, like, being, Ooh. like, tough love drill sergeant type thing. Yeah. Um, and But he's also, like, super team-focused exactly. in his approach. Whereas Cheryl is, like, I'm the leader and you're all beneath me. Right. So basically, Tony's upset that Cheryl did a practice without her. One of the girls falls and Tony says to call Nurse Nightingale. So that's a new faculty member. Never heard of yep. you before. Um, I'd like to I'd like to learn more about her. I wonder if she's like a Poppy Pomfrey type, uh, like older lady or if she's like, like, uh, you remember Miss Appleyard from last season where she's like, oh, my God, you know, Miss Appleyard flips hair and is like, I'm Nurse Nightingale. Well, she's supposed to be Florence like to Nightingale, I guess. I guess. Wonder if she's in cahoots with Miss Crouton. <laughs> Must be. Damn damn it, Miss Crouton. <laughs> <laughs> so Cheryl says that the Vixens need tough love, and Tony says that she's starting to sound like Penelope. Where is Penelope? Because one of my like theories about Penelope was that at the end of like, well, not the end of last season, but like the right before the time jump, she had been like, I'm sending myself to Hiram's prison. And so I assumed that like after seven years, first of all, seven years is not long enough for the amount of murder she did. <laughs> but I thought it's Riverdale. She'll uh, she'll be out by then. But she's not. And she's not even on the, tr- the on the posters, like the only adult team adults this show used to be filled with team adults and now the only members of team adults who are on the poster are Hiram and Alice um um and Sheriff Keller where's Penelope yeah but he's is he on the poster oh on the poster uh that I don't know but also yes Sheriff Sheriff Keller is here he's on the poster in my heart and thank god I don't know what I could what I would have done if like we lose Fred and then we lost FP and like I I don't know what I would do without Keller the hot dads are just dropping like flies not you, Hiram. Get out. <laughs> not you. You're a hot hey. dad, but you're not one of the hot dads. Literally. Still, he's a dad that can cure degenerative diseases with the powers of fists. <laughs> yeah, true. Literally. Apparently. Apparently. The dark side is the uh, gateway to powers that you would consider unnatural, I guess. <laughs> Robin, that's a Star Wars reference. Uh, okay, haha. Haha, <laughs> 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 I get it. <laughs> So in the next scene, Tony canceled practice just so she could talk to Cheryl um, and basically says that she gets away with stuff because of her money and her privilege. And she knows that she's had a really rough life, but you still don't get to be a jerk about it. And um, Cheryl's like, I've been in Thornhill for seven years. And I'm like, leave the house, weirdo. No one forced you to. <laughs> whose fault is that? Who's, whose fault is it that you're in? Like, no one's no one's forcing you to stay inside, bro. Unless unless Nana Rose is doing something that we don't understand that's making her right. be in that house. By the way, Nana Rose in the Jughead storyline, are you good? Oh my god. She's off her heckin' rocker. Oh, uh, I already knew she was crazy, but like, what? This is another level. Oh yeah, they're giving her something else to do than borderline abusing Cheryl. Why is Nana Rose more prevalent than Penelope right now? I don't get it. I just like how whenever, like, Riverdale needs to, like, throw in some crazy wrench, like, about, like, the town's history, they're just like, uh, 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 Nana Rose, uh, we'll we'll give this to you. She's a good tool for that. She really is. It's kind of genius. And you know what? The lady and the lady who plays her really, like, really goes in on it. And I appreciate that. She does not back down. Oh, yeah. I love this scene, though, like, where they're, where they're, 
it's just the two of them in the darkened gym. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, the lighting is so good. Like, I wanted them to start singing something, like, <laughs> confrontation from Les Mis. I was about to say that it reminds me of, like, in the Carrie the Musical, when Cheryl was crying and Tony and her were singing together in this very gym. Oh my oh. god. Yeah, that was... A good freaking scene. That's a good detail that no one else remembers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there I am. Hello. <laughs> Hello. But is is this really cruelty beyond words? Like Cheryl says it is. I know. When she said that, I was like, I'm like, is it though? I, I think it's she's just speaking the truth, and it's just hard to hear. Don't you don't you know that you need tough love, Cheryl? <laughs> exactly. Jeez. Like what you're doing, to everyone else. It's the only thing that gets through to her. It seems like. Yeah. Yeah. What I really like though, which. I guess spoiler alert for my favorite line award, but when Veronica compares Cheryl to Elsa, mm-hmm. my, oh my God, I I mean, anyone who does not know me uh, does not know that I watch Frozen 2 once a week. Fun fact, my entire office found out about that, and now I am just known as the girl who watches Frozen 2 once a week, um, so that's really <laughs> upping my credibility. But when she compared her to Elsa, I was like, oh my god she is like she's so obsessed with like the pain she's caused inadvertently that all she can do is shut herself away and she just convinces herself that she's not worth like living a full self-actualized life and now she's coming back from that and I'm just so interested to see that because I mean for Elsa it worked out great so I really hope it works out great for Cheryl too. Right and Cheryl and Elsa are both gay as well. Yes exactly like it's just the (laughs) lesbian tension inside of them like just waiting to burst out and yeah, but who's the little snowman guy? Oh my god. Yeah, who's Olaf? You know what? That's what Cheryl needs. She needs her Olaf to help. Wow. Nana Rose is like, no. <laughs> Nana Rose is like, nah. You, you can find someone else for that job. Um, Yeah. She makes a reference to Drag Me to Hell. I haven't yeah, seen so it. Either of you seen I, it? I, no, I haven't seen it either, but I do have the uh, Wikipedia article thing here. So Drag Me to Hell is a 2009 American supernatural horror film. The plot focuses on a loan officer who, because he has to prove to her boss that she can make the hard decisions chooses not to extend an elderly woman's mortgage in retaliation the woman places a curse on the loan officer that after three days of escalating torment will plunge her into the depths of hell to burn for eternity so i think what tony is saying is that you're not like cursed to stay at your house right exactly it's a lot of like internal stuff that she has to work through and that like you kind of would have like hoped that she's been working through like over the past seven years but Mm -hmm. i'm hopeful that now that she's reconnecting with Tony, Tony will be able to help her kind of find her way back to herself. Yeah, Cheryl's had no character progression in the seven years we didn't see her. Yeah, and that's so sad. Right, that's upsetting. Everyone else seems to have done something. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, everybody else, like, even if it's, like, in the opposite direction, like Reggie, at least something happened, you know? She wasn't just stagnant. Right, and that's just so sad for her because mm-hmm. she was always one of those characters who was just so unpredictable and you never knew what she was going to do next and you never knew right. which way she was going to swing and now she's kind of like working back towards that but from what we've seen so far in the episodes this season, it's just like so heartbreaking to see her 
just being so like gray and mm-hmm. dull. And also something else that I've been tracking is Cheryl's lipstick continuity. Yeah. Right. And something that I found super interesting this episode was that she, you know, walks in through the doors for the dance off without her signature red lipstick. And the very next scene we see, which I think is her sitting in like the lounge area when Veronica comes in and compares her to Elsa, she has her red lipstick back on and then she wears it all throughout the rest of the episode. As soon as she gets her vixens back, she's like, hello. She's like, the lip is back. And I think that's like, I need my signature red lip. I think that's our like first sign that like the real Cheryl is coming back. And I'm thrilled for it. Yay. Reggie next. Reggie next. Reggie. (laughs) Reggie, get out your red lipstick. Yeah. She's also got this line in this confrontation scene, though, where she's talking about money can't solve the town's problems and it's like mm-hmm. do you think yeah but they can go pretty go pretty long way to doing it but but it does help yeah exactly so she basically says that you're not being sacrificial you're being selfish and like we appreciate the money that you gave for us but you also have to do work because that's what everyone else is doing right you can't just like give your thing and be like good luck bye and says that she can't take over because of like vanity or revenge like we want your help but you really need to get it together and cheryl's like i'm so upset and i'm like i'm just feeling so attacked right now i can't Say I don't agree. Like, yeah, that sucks to hear, but also... Can you say it's not true? Right. So she goes home to ask Nana for advice because Tony was mean again, basically. <laughs> and Minerva found out that she stole, so, tried to sell a forgery. And let's talk before I call the police. I just wanted to say that I thought that there were some vibes between these two. Mm-hmm. And I still think that I'm right, uh, that that Blarble is rising potentially blarble and um oh yeah yes blarble and and i think that there are i I thought maybe it was just me but i don't think there is because i saw some stuff on twitter well in the no i definitely felt the vibes yeah and and even in the trailer for next week like you've got you've got that there's one big scene where there's a bunch of people all around Mm -hmm. and tony and minerva are in opposite positions on either side right (gasps) wow oh i haven't seen the trailer yet so i'm like very excited for that i'm really pleased about this because one of my um like complaints about this is that i've like been making for the past while is like of course i love shoni but like i wish that shoni got the same like drama as the other like couples like all the straight couples get so much drama and it's like look these gays are happy in the corner are you happy gays um and like i'm like well i still want like i want to enjoy like a story that is like just as fun to watch Mm -hmm. as like all the straight couples are getting so i kind of love this i think obviously shoni is endgame and shoni is going to end up together after this but i love the fact that they're bringing in like somebody to like kind of join this little love triangle because i want to see the drama yeah i want to see development with those with the couples like i want Mm -hmm. which is why i want tony's baby to be kevin and fangs yeah oh my god yes yeah and i love what they're doing with cheryl and tony i hope they don't lean like too heavily into the love triangle angle (laughs) triangle angle right because then there's there's a certain point in which you can't go back yeah and there are just like a lot of connotations with like like how bisexual and lesbian women are like portrayed in media like in terms of like bisexual women are always like having threesomes and whatever um i actually they already did that with hermosa last season yes i was gonna say i'm pretty sure i sent in an audio clip expressing my disgust with that scene just because like it really upset me personally yeah 
So I hope they don't like lean too heavily into like giving Cheryl and Tony other love interests. I'd really like to see them continue to like have them kind of pushing each other to become a better version of what they were. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what I'd like to see personally. And I just I really like what they're doing with them this season. And it like hurts the angst hurts, but it's also incredible. And it's just going to make their reunion so much better. Tony's already so much more than she always had depths from the time we first met her and she's Mm -hmm. become Mm -hmm. more of a person. And I I think she feels like a better person, like as Serpent Queen, she's doing good stuff as a social worker. She's doing good stuff. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's going to be more Tony dragging Cheryl back up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I kind of, I kind of respect that. Like she cares about Cheryl enough to want to put in that work because I don't think she would do that if she knew that she couldn't change Cheryl or that Cheryl was like beyond help. Exactly. Was beyond help and wouldn't be able to. And I think it's, it just kind of goes to show how much Tony still cares for her where like she's able to put in all this work to try and help Cheryl without any like negative effect on herself like she knows how to hold her own and be strong and do what she wants and be who she wants yeah I just think it's really cool and beautiful kind of to see how much Tony believes in their relationship. That was a I lot of that. words to get to that, but yeah. <laughs> I just I just like the actress from Minerva. I liked her from oh, yeah. Chaos, mm-hmm. which I did end up watching all of. And for some reason she says portrait as portrait. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just wanted like- to make sure we got that in before we finish the yeah. storyline. <laughs> Are you guys good to move on to the Jughead storyline? Oh my god, are we? I'd be good to move on if someone would tell me about Patreon. Oh, you know what? I could if you'd like. I'd love to hear. So Patreon is a service in which you can donate to some of your favorite creators. So if that includes us, that would be cool. Casey, I know that you know a little bit more about Patreon. Maybe you could start talking about it. Oh, I sure do. Um, As a patron myself of the Aficionados, I can tell you that donations start at as low as $1 per month which is so very inexpensive and it's my absolute joy to give that monies to my friends because I know that what they do is really expensive and they work so hard. Can you tell me some of the perks that you could get if you are a patron? Well, at the $1 level, you get early access to all of the podcasts. With a weekly podcast like this one, it's a day, but with some of the other podcasts, it could be as much as a week. That's incredible. Additionally, there's going to be all sorts of upcoming perks, additional perks. At the upcoming $15 level, there will be unique merchandise. Yeah, and as a patron, I actually got to help vote on uh, some of the new ideas that the aficionados have for their tiers. So I don't know if I'm allowed to spoil anything, but all I can say is... Oh, can I? No, you can. Oh, my mm-hmm. God. I mean, we're, I'm waiting for Brittany and Sam to come home to, like, really, um, like, we're, we're until we start, like, actually producing those things because we want to, like, put them all out together. Mm-hmm. But you can definitely tell people about it. Yeah. So it is with great thrill that I say that coming soon, patrons at the $10 tier and up will be able to have access to a Patreon-only podcast. You guys, I'm thrilled about this development. I 
constantly feel like I'm begging um, Robin, Sam, and Brittany to make more podcasts, even though they already have five and they're very busy, hardworking ladies with other jobs. But yeah, I'm very thrilled about this Patreon-only podcast. And it's and it's wonderful to have more podcasts. It's always wonderful. Not that I'm waiting for more Star Trek. Yeah. <laughs> well, potentially some Star Trek content in that uh, Patreon-only podcast. Basically, what's going to happen with that is that like we are each going to take a turn. And we, we're thinking potentially bi-weekly is when it's going to come out on Patreon. And we get to each take a turn uh, talking about whatever we want to talk about. Um, so one of my first episodes is going to be why you should watch Night at the Museum 2. It's my favorite movie. <laughs> and I want to tell you why you should watch it. Like, it's literally we just talk about whatever we want. I also have ideas for, like, ranking the Taylor Swift albums is going to be maybe one of mine or like you know it's just something that's um like it general for like everybody to listen to um and it does have a name <gasps> yes oh my god wait this is new information <laughs> i yeah i think only Brittany and sam and like my mom and my sister know what the name are th- at, at this time but i'm willing to tell you if you like <gasps> oh my god please tell me please tell me okay you're gonna die casey uh, i'll tell literally nobody else all right it's called okay love you hi oh, oh my god that's the cutest thing i've ever heard Oh my god, I'm just picturing all the merch now. Oh my god. Oh my god. You guys, go sign up for Patreon. I cannot even express to you how worth it this will be. And like, I don't even have it yet, but I, it's, oh my god. Yeah, so uh, Casey, what would you say as a Patreon patron yourself, what makes it most worth it for you? Oh, I think the thing that makes it the most worth it for me is, oh god. Okay, definitely on the yearly postcard. All patrons Mm. get sent a yearly postcard on the Affectionados anniversary, and it's very sweet and personalized, and it just makes me happy. And I have um, every postcard from every year that they've done it, and it's a nice little collection, and I can't wait to continue to add to it. And also, if you're a patron who contributes $5 or more a month, you get a 10% off discount code to Robin and Brittany's uh, small business shopbelux.com where Brittany makes resin art and stickers and Robin makes fandom embroidery. Yeah, patrons who are at the $5 level and up get 10% off at that website. And that's incredible because not only are you supporting a small business, but you get a nice little discount on your cute things. And that's that's awesome. It's so much supporting that you're doing. And Dave, as a Patreon patron yourself, what makes it most worth it for you? Well, well, my love language is acts of service. I try to help. I want to do things. And I've got these friends who live on the other side of a continent for me. So the ability to just help help them get what they need to get done done for these podcasts, that gives me a warm feeling on the inside. Also, I've got one of the aficionado stickers from this year's... Uh, from this past year's postcard and sticker pack sitting right here on my laptop so that I can always have them with. Oh my god, I have one on my laptop right now that I'm staring at. Did you guys know that those stickers are still available? We still have some. I'm looking at them right now, and there's a link in the description, and uh, you can go buy them if you want. They're not very expensive, and shipping is free. I appreciate you guys so much. I, uh... The amount of work that I put into this is enough for a full-time job, but I don't make the money for a full-time job, obviously. So I also have like a bajillion other um, side hustles. And so your guys' help means so much to me because it really um, just really helps me out. And I appreciate you. That's so sweet. We appreciate you so much. It's truly a joy to do whatever we can to support this fun little podcast network because it brings me um, lots of joy throughout my week because I tend to listen to these podcasts when I'm driving to work. You know, driving to work isn't a fun experience because I have a full work day ahead of me. 
and that's not great. But I'm listening to my friends on the way in and I'm like, you know what? Maybe this day won't be terrible. Casey knows us personally, like as an actual IRL person. Um, but even if you don't, we're still your friends. I, I have stayed in your home. <laughs> we're still friends. Yeah, we've gone to Disney together. Oh, that was a good time. But um, but even if we don't know each other IRL, we're still friends. And if you want to be like friends, like actual like talk to us friends, we are very good at answering things so if you want to yeah you want to know how you do it here's how you do it you go to a convention you see robin in an elevator and as the doors start to close you shout dramatically from the other side of the hall robin i love you and then you find robin later and you're like hey you know that person who said i love you through closing doors um yeah that was me you want to be friends and the rest is history. That's how you become friends. Casey, I look so cool in front of those people. I just want you to know. Like, you made me look so cool. <laughs> oh, I know. So that's how I became friends with Casey. But uh, it's very easy to, like, literally just, like, tweet us. And congrats, we're friends. Um, so, yeah. But uh, we have been uh, advertising ourselves for a very long time. And so now I, I, let's move on to Jughead, shall we? Let's do it. So now we're going to move on to the Jughead storyline, and I myself wrote the Jughead summary. Um, Me, not not Sam. She did Betty, but I did the Jughead storyline. So here we go. Jughead has done some research on the Mothman. He shares with Tabitha that there was this crazy light phenomenon that happened a long time ago, and there was a certain witness quoted in the article about it. They chat with Pop about it, and he says that basically electronics started going haywire, and they all went outside to see what was up, but then it was gone, and it never happened again. Nana Rose was also there, so go talk to her. So they go to talk to Nana Rose, who corroborates his story and also adds that she found a creepy alien body in the maple groves a few weeks later they did an alien autopsy on it and she told everyone that she had it cremated but she actually put it in a maple syrup barrel and do they want it later jughead gets to work and nana rose had the barrel brought to them they open it in the back room and find a creepy weird body inside they're going to bring in an expert to look at it that night jughead's working late and experiences the same thing that pop had once upon a time he goes outside and a spotlight is shown on him he tells tabitha the next day that he lost four hours of time tabitha wonders if he was dreaming or drunk but jughead shows her that the creepy alien body is now missing so explain that tabitha just a riverdale thing <laughs> so jughead says that he spent the afternoon at the library jughead do you still teach english (laughs) (laughs) right Um, he's not at riverdale high anymore he's either at pops or anywhere that's not his teaching job like before it was funny like in the previous seasons it was funny because you're like haha because they're students right so it's like they just don't go to school but sir you have an obligation (laughs) what are your hours (laughs) working at pops and what are your hours like and also later he's like i'll just take the night shift and i'm like when do you sleep yeah yeah he doesn't sleep and also what what shift has he been working if not the night shift like you're teaching throughout the day right literally he teaches for six hours and then works at pops for the other 18 hours (laughs) for the rest of his hours in the day he said that he found some articles and four out of five of the dudes like that isn't dreyfus um described like seeing the Mothman and everything. And two months later, there was this weird light thing. So he's going to get an interview with the person who was quoted as an eyewitness. And he should be easy to find because it's Pop. Because of course it is. And he says he's so happy to come back to the diner because he loves being at the diner. I was thrilled to see Pop Tate again. Me too. I love him. Anytime I can see Pop Tate. Ugh, it's just a joy. I love the chocolate shop. At the same time, why is it called a chocolate shop? I have always wondered that question. I do not know. Yeah, and it's also spelled weird. I don't know. I do not know. I think it's definitely there's a historical answer and I just don't know it. Mm. I I don't know it either. This is something that I would assume that Dave would uh, DM me about later. (laughs) I know, I know. Why does that that guy keep DMing you? He should just leave you alone. (laughs) 
Oh, like that time that he DM'd you about the about the uh, Jughead and Tabitha ship name and compared it to oh, yeah. a Numidian king from the first century BC. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He did do that. I remember that. <laughs> um, so we get a flashback to 50 years ago and we get this guy who is being who's playing young pop. And I went on IMDb and he looks like a pretty new actor, but I thought he was really good. And I thought he looked a lot like Pop, actually. I was really impressed. Yeah, he was so oh, good. I love this scene. Mm-hmm. It, it's so 70s. Yeah. And also I noticed that his name tag already says Pop. Like he's like, ah, yes, mini Pops have been at Pops. And I'm like, <laughs> did he come out of the womb and they just <laughs> decided to call him Pop? Like he looks like he's like 15. Didn't he leave school to take over from his father? Yeah. Yeah. But was his father called Pop too? Like everyone's like, hmm. yeah. It's called Pops because everyone's named Pop. <laughs> yeah, no. He, he. Yeah, I've got some questions about the Pop lineage. Yeah. At his, re- at his retirement party, he says that he, didn't he say that he left school to take over from his father, the original Pop? Yeah. So there there are multiple Pops. Was his, oh yeah, his father was Pop Jr. <laughs> I just like (laughs) this reminds me we recently recorded about 302 of Stranger Things and uh, Hopper goes to Enzo's and he calls his waiter Enzo because he just assumes that everyone (laughs) who works at Enzo's name is Enzo so I feel like that's what it is is that everyone's just like I think everyone's name is Pop seems like it you know what it works still I just I love how it was so 70s but he's talking about electricity in the air and it's just like yeah but the lights are going off Mm -hmm, exactly yeah like things are different it's weird yeah everything turns off and everything goes haywire so they all go out to look and pop says that some people said it was aliens but prop pop thinks that it was probably just like a military test um it never happened again but he kind of wishes that it did and also nana rose was there i don't know who she was with though probably papa rose (laughs) 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 some great grandpappy blossom there's no way that there's no way that nana rose dresses that way right (laughs) yeah no way um that was an incredible like tie-in though like at first you think like the only person you're going to recognize in this flashback is Mm -hmm. pop and then it's like oh and you know who else was there uh cheryl's grandmother and you're like huh yeah and you also get a you get a shot where they like look at each other and you're like ooh, what's happening here i'm like is this before or after you killed a man (laughs) nana rose (laughs) just wondering yeah how far along were you in your crimes yeah oh does this just make me want to see the earliest generation of like fp1 yes midnight club but more but back farther midnight club but make it aliens yeah exactly (laughs) i think that like from what i can tell on twitter and some of the behind the scenes things that people are gathering that maybe we're getting another midnight club episode oh my god i am thrilled because mark's son is like around and (gasps) he played um he played young hiram and stuff and i thought okay well maybe it's just a flashback to like young Hiram and I don't want to get my hopes up or anything but then some people saw pictures of Camila as Hermione so I'm like is it just Hermione and Hiram or like is this a whole thing please please thank you please oh my god please give me another minute club yeah so uh, you know the the Veronica storyline is happening concurrently and Jughead picks up the river dollars and is like it's it's actually to spoil my favorite line award why is Veronica printing monopoly money with her face on it truly just like encompasses this show that's you know that's like one of those random lines that someone who doesn't watch Riverdale will yep. see and be like, why does anyone watch that show? Because it's fun, Because Jessica. You hear that line when you're watching it and you're like, oh, this this is right. You're like, this is so dumb. 
This is real dumb. Mm -hmm. I love it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But Tabitha already knows about it and she's really chill about it. Jughead uses the money to go get a double shot of whiskey at the White Worm. I'm very worried about him. I'm very worried because later he's like also drinking on the job and I'm like, buddy, please. Like there's a history of alcoholism in your family. Yeah. Yeah. Like don't do this. Homie's not going down a good path. Yeah. And I'm also worried about like how it's going to play into his what sure to become obsession with like the Mothman and whatnot Mm -hmm. and kind of like probably having to recount his story and people just being like dude you were just like drunk and then like that will probably just drive him to be like right more insane and like more in his head and then he'll drink more and yeah it's not good i really love the idea of cole sprouse walking in every season and being like what random crap am i doing this season and they were like this time aliens and he was like sure all right okay why not as long as guys pay me also you're gonna have this uh you're gonna have this beard and mustache thing but not really (laughs) but not really i'm totally i'm totally into jughead's new vibe except for the mustache yeah lose the mustache and I love it. The mustache needs to go. You see, yeah. I like the I like the facial hair that he's rocking right now. <laughs> it's got that beatnik author who can't yeah. get ahead energy. Oh yeah, it's mm-hmm. so in tune with like who he's become as a character. Um, yeah. It just makes me very uncomfortable to look at. Yeah, it makes <laughs> him less good looking to me, which makes me upset. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um. So they go to see Nana Rose. They're like, "Hey, Pop said you were there, Nana Rose," and she's like, "Yeah." And um, also, I'm one of the ones who thinks it's aliens because of course she is a few weeks later she found a gross body in the maple forest they did an alien autopsy i'm like classic dr colonel senior (laughs) (laughs) oh you scallywag dr colonel senior (laughs) scallywag (laughs) she said the mothman didn't want us talking about it so we just don't how do they know Um, because apparently they (laughs) apparently they came to thornhill asking about their missing friends and I'm like, friends? I thought you only found one body. How many bodies did you find? The Mothmen sure sound like the farm. Yeah, I, that's true. Like, yikes. Oh boy. This, I don't think this is going to end well. I just mm-hmm. love Jugatha playing Mulder and Scully. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, it's so good. It's so good. I love them so much. I'm I really, a- I really like their relationship so far. I'm obsessed with their dynamic and also... They both embody the characteristics of Mulder and Scully so well, Mm -hmm. like where Tabitha is more of like the skeptic and Jughead's kind of like just ready to go all in on this. It's really phenomenal and crazy and I love it. Yeah, they play they play off so well together. They do that Mulder and Scully thing together. But mm-hmm. I'm I'm still annoyed by this these maple barrels that still have this body in it. Oh my god! Right, like uh, uh, maple syrup is not you can't preserve a body in maple syrup, can you? Like apparently, apparently you can. But I'm like <laughs> Nana Rose. In what world uh, have you have you done this before? Like, how did you know? Is that science? Well, I feel like you can you can cure stuff in sugar kind of like the same way you'd cure stuff in salt so maybe you can do the same thing with maple syrup oh you know what you make a good point okay (laughs) (laughs) so yeah sure (laughs) i think shove a body in a maple barrel i think i might be talking out of my ass but she's like oh yeah i told i told the mothman that we cremated them and he's like oh did you and i love the delivery of this line where she's like no i kept it I sure did it. Oh my god, it's so good. I kept it in a maple barrel. She's just chewing scenery in every scene she's in. <laughs> she's like, oh, I'll get it for you. Where have these barrels been? I don't know. 
so I like was it not like how how do you how did you know where it was if it was not labeled <laughs> right like and on top of it how do you know how do people know not to take oh that's the corpse barrel you leave the corpse barrel yeah how did how was there not a mix up in all of this time <laughs> yeah that's the corpse barrel. We don't do that one. I love uh, these like blossom workers who are like, oh, we don't touch that one. That's the corpse barrel. <laughs> the corpse barrel. <laughs> There's probably more than one, honestly. And like if it was in Thornhill, why didn't it burn with the rest of Thornhill? It doesn't Right, matter. right. <laughs> it's in that barn that Clifford killed himself in, maybe? Oh, right. That's what I'm imagining. I think it's weird that like it's been in this barrel for like 50 years. And as soon as they take it out of the barrel, then they can take it back and they like have this like light phenomenon too i'm like so what the aliens can't get through maple syrup but as soon as you take it out of the maple <laughs> syrup they're like ah here's our opportunity maybe they're allergic i wonder what like if if there's like a specific reason that this like light is happening like clearly the reason that it happened this time is so that they could steal the alien body but i'm like maybe what what was the reason for it the first time was right. it like the body being deposited in the forest like what exactly happened that first time because it's not just lights clearly since they they used it as a front for something this time what were they using it for last time right oh my god they used the lights as a smoke screen which is a word that's in my head because Hiram uses that word Hiram said it later (gasps) wow connections because they're not they clearly didn't abduct all those people because by the rules of alien abduction in this in Riverdale they'd all have been dead right 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 like pop and oh yeah (laughs) Jughead's gonna be (laughs) Jughead's gonna be dead Jughead's gonna be dead again (laughs) what is no actually if as long as he just punches people and uses his fists he'll be fine Mm -hmm. what is interesting is like the loss of time concept like that's a really fascinating like right theory and like commonality with like alien abduction stories is this loss of time and not knowing like what happened to you and i'm mm-hmm. interested to see if we'll get to find out like what actually happened to jughead during those four hours right. and kind of what what it's all connected to jughead's gonna go back to old man dreyfus and he's gonna be like what you too <laughs> i why not <laughs> Oh, poor old man Dreyfus can't get abducted to save his life. (laughs) So Jughead comes in the next day and there's just the barrel in the middle of the diner. And so they they take it out and they smell maple syrup and decay. I'm sorry, there is no way this is allowed on the premises of a restaurant. Sure isn't. It really feels like Tabitha is a professional and I don't know why she would allow this to happen. Yeah, I've I've got a note here. How is this safe serve compliant? Yeah, exactly. That sure does not follow health codes. Their licensing is taken away immediately. (laughs) Yeah. So she says like these bones could be human or synthetic and then Jughead's like, or an alien. So they're going to bring in expert Dr. Diana Whitley from Centerville University and just leave this here until she shows up. That seems like a great idea. Nothing bad will happen. No, absolutely not. What could go wrong when you have a xenomorph melting in your kitchen? Why not? So Jughead says he's going to take the night shift to make sure no one finds it. I'm just I'm just glad that um, Tabitha has watched Alien. Right. <laughs> this is true. That makes sense for her. I, I identify her. <laughs> As a sci-fi junkie, and I think she's, like, she comes off as very skeptical about the whole alien thing, but I think she's, like, actually believer at heart, and Mm I am just very interested to see more of her character come out. Yeah, because she talks about the Twilight Zone. Mm -hmm. Right, she does, that's true. Like, as soon as the barrel's dropped off, she's talking about the Twilight Zone, and then... 
Like, xenomorph is not a word that is in your vocabulary unless you sure watch isn't. the alien movies. Mm-hmm. So I have a question for you guys. Um, do you guys think that this lady is going to show up next episode? Like, I wonder if they called this lady and was like, quick, come quickly. And she'll like, I'll be there tomorrow. Di- Diana Whitley? Yeah, Diana Whitley. Mm. Is she going to show up? Also, do you think that the name Diana Diana Whitley is a reference to something? Um, I don't know. Did anyone look it up? No, I'll do it right now. What were you about to say, Dave? You take a look at... It's going to depend upon whether or not the woman in the image on the screen, whether that's actually a person, like mm-hmm. an actor, or whether that's just they put a, ca- um, a crew member's photo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think they would bring up a character and, like, give her a name just to kind of not bring it up again. So I kind of hope she comes back and can maybe play into the story a little bit. Yeah, I found Diana Whitley on IMDb and but it doesn't look like it really has anything to do with much of anything. She uh is an actor, producer and writer on a couple of of things, but I I really don't think this is the reference that they were making. Yeah. So I don't know about that. But um yeah, oh my next note was just Jughead, when do you teach? And uh, we already talked <laughs> about that a little bit, I think. And can, he doesn't. Can Jughead yeah. get paid enough so that he doesn't have to work at Pops? Literally, can he yeah. get paid enough so he doesn't have to work 24 hours a day? Because apparently that's what he's doing. That's what Pop was doing for several years. <laughs> I think true. Jughead can handle it. But I, I also think that's probably why they made him so in debt. So that like mm-hmm. every, you know, that it was going to take him a long time to to uh, pay it all off. This is true. He had to have all these jobs, I guess. But it's 2 a.m. Jughead's drinking on the job. Or I'm really worried about him. And everything goes crazy, just like in Pop's story. Uh, and also the exact same song is playing on the uh, on the jukebox. And so that makes me think that it's probably the alien's favorite song. <laughs> oh, it has to be. <laughs> They got taste. It's the, it's the same song. <laughs> the, the, the song plays itself. And then, did you guys see this? This merch that I need immediately? The pop bobblehead? The bobbleheads? Oh <gasps> my god. So incredible. I would like a pop bobblehead. I need it. And also, they had a baseball guy beside him, and I think that's supposed to be, like, the baseball guy from the time capsule, like, when they were talking about, like, how he was, like, Riverdale's big baseball star or whatever. Oh, yeah. I assume that's who it is, because otherwise, like, what other baseball guy have we even Yeah, it has to be. Yeah, I would love myself a pop bobblehead. Me too. A popplehead? A popplehead. (laughs) A popplehead, if you will. The guy who plays pop is on this, uh... ICBC ad and like ICBC is Justin BC so I'm the so we're like the only ones who get the actual ad and you know he lives here in Vancouver so that's why he's in the ad or whatever but every time I see it on my Twitter feed I'm just like hop why are you trying to sell me insurance when you should be selling me burgers <laughs> guy please he's trying to make a living okay <laughs> oh so so the lights come on so the lights mm-hmm. start flickering the music comes on and yeah. then the whole place starts shaking mm-hmm. like how do you do that like as like a movie magic thing oh yeah i'm i'm not totally sure i know that on lost um they literally just uh moved the camera a lot and then everyone else just went whoa when actually nothing was moving (laughs) star trek rules (laughs) yeah but uh on this one like you can see that the like lights are going crazy like the the hanging lights and everything right yeah and stuff's bouncing around so um it's like the building itself. Yeah, I wonder if it was like on on a stage because I think that the like place in Langley where they shoot Pop's diner is the outside of the diner, and I think that the inside of the diner is a is a stage. Mm. So I think that's uh, I think it's probably it's probably a stage, and that's how they were able to do it. I think it's probably my, that's my guess. But they would would they have built it on a gimbal, in thinking in advance that they were going to shake the whole thing? They might have been able to move it. Maybe. 
Oh, yeah. I suppose it Onto one. Take the screws out of the floor and just shake the yeah. whole thing. Yeah, but Jughead's the only one here this time. There's not, like, a bunch of people to witness it with him. And these, this, like, above shot with, like, the spotlight is awesome. Oh, my God. Uh, I really liked it. And I just wanted to say, sir, your eyes are so green. And it's because he's actually a little blonde boy. This is true. Um, he doesn't have black hair. He he, he He's just a little blonde boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that shot was insane. Yeah. Like, I loved it. I, I think, watched it like three times. Yeah, I think that's... I was like, Cole, you did that. Yeah, that's our like official like nod that like, yeah, we're going all in on this this alien mm-hmm. thing. And you know what? I'm here for it. It's the one the one line that I wish I had that I that I wish I could have made a could have made my could have made my line award was a tweet from No Context Riverdale. I forget her name. Shout out Macy. <gasps> Macy. Macy. At, at, at that moment, she uh, she was doing a live tweet just said beam me up mothy and i'm like yeah <laughs> in my soul like all like my interests are colliding oh yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's this isn't an, an incredible sign of things to come like this is just complete insane chaotic riverdale and mm-hmm. i'm just enjoying the ride so the next morning jughead totally believes pop now and tabitha assumes he was either dreaming or drunk because i'm sure she's seen him sneaking stuff yeah i'm sure she has and she's also like been to the white worm with him and everything so i think that he, she's kind of a little bit calling him out on that he says that he lost four hours of time the weird body is gone except for like these rubber gloves are left and i'm like is that supposed to be a clue or is that just the rubber gloves that they use to get the thing out of the barrel i assumed it was their gloves yeah yeah it had to be oh i don't know i just don't remember them in the original scene we never saw them in the original scene so that's why i was like "Hmm, what's up with these gloves but I guess they were they can't just show a sticky table. <laughs> right, this is true. Like what what are you showing yeah. me here? So that's the Jughead storyline. Before we move on to the Veronica storyline, uh Casey, which uh a fictionata's podcast is your favorite? Oh my god, hands down. I mean, like all of them, but my favorite is absolutely the Lost Podcast. Now, if people were on the fence about thinking of, hmm, should I listen to the Lost Podcast? What would you say? Oh my God. Okay, here's the thing about Lost. If you've never watched Lost, you've probably heard a million times, oh, it's so confusing and hard to follow and blah, 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 blah. No. Okay, first of all, all you have to do is pay attention. Second of Mm -hmm. all, if you're having trouble following, oh my god, listen to the Lost Podcast. It's spoiler-free until a spoiler section at the end, and it goes into every single scene and talks about, like, Robin is very good about pointing out all the things that you should be paying attention to without, like, spoiling why you should be paying attention to those things, and it's just so good, and yeah, and it's also really long, which I appreciate because I really like long podcasts thank you yeah you know what thank you <laughs> dave what's your favorite aficionados podcast well you see i love the picard podcast it's what brought me here it's insightful and, and it's brought from a place of love by people who love star trek and explaining it to someone who just doesn't know star trek it's got a little bit of everything and it's really a gateway drug i really really miss it which is why i've been cyberbullying Brittany and sam to do more star trek content <laughs> You guys are so good at advertisements. I appreciate it. Uh, you you make it easy. I, I talk for a living to begin with. Your content is so is so good. Um, so now we're going to move on to the Veronica storyline. And Dave was kind enough to write the summary for the Veronica storyline. In Hiram's office, Veronica confronts her father about the fire at Archie's house. Turns out it's exactly the kind of thing you would do if you were trying to drive people out of town. 
She's right, you know. <laughs> Hiram doesn't deny it and mentions the town is screwed with garbage and smells like death. Veronica misses a golden moment to call Hiram garbage and instead says that this has just become personal. Later, after name-dropping a canceled television series in a conversation <laughs> with Archie, Veronica explains to her economics class that she's going to revive a dying economy. The dozens of extra kids who are creeping on her and auditing her class last episode are suspiciously absent. Step one, she needs to create jobs, and in order to be exempt from the midterm exam, a lot of the kids have decided they would rather refurbish a CD video store. Veronica is clearly profiting from unpaid internships, but this is exactly what I would do if I were a ruthless capitalist. She then approaches Sheriff who is now suddenly wearing red lipstick again in teacher's lounge, which I guess is a teacher's lounge, even though it was a student lounge for the past four seasons. <laughs> yes, yeah. Veronica wants to use Cheryl's widely renowned art skills, which I honestly don't remember existing before this season, to create yep. something that would fit on a printing plate. Turns out she's making money. Disney dollars, but make it Riverdale. And she's financing it with yet another Glamour J egg. In a montage, Veronica hand cranks the printer to create her red river dollars, then cuts them using a paper cut. She then uses the river dollars to pay her students refurbishing her new jewelry store with flat stacks. She's pumped 50k into the economy and her class wants to add another 10k, but Ronnie only wants to add another thousand. Hiram, also being unable to let Ronnie have a class to herself like her trash husband Chad, who isn't in this episode, thank god, interrupts her class to taunt her because Hiram needs to look like a villain so that she can immediately accuse him in the next scene of trying to flood the market with more river dollars, which she accuses him of, and he denies. And he should deny it because lo and behold, Veronica catches one of her students literally red-handed. Turns out they did print $10,000 instead of $1,000, but hey, what's an order of magnitude between friends? That's okay, they can work off the $10,000 cleaning up Sketch Alley. Veronica finishes off her story by saying she has a delivery to make, and then disappears into Archie's story. <laughs> yeah. Yay! That was, that was so, so good. good. Thank you. So Veronica yells at Hiram about Archie's fire, and Hiram denies it. I wonder if maybe Reggie feels bad about it. I really suspect that it was Reggie who did it. And um, I think maybe that's partially why he does a good thing in Betty's storyline. Mm -hmm. I agree. I just love Hiram's office. I love the wood. I love mm -hmm. the plants. Yeah. Where did this come from? It's Sodale. This is true. I love it. It's so extra. Is that office in Sodale? I suppose it would have to be, right? I don't know. I assume so. Well, it's not his his mayor's office. Right. Yeah, no, it's just, a, it, yeah, it's a new office. Because he's not the mayor anymore. <laughs> and he's in pinstripes, just like the villain yeah. uniform. So Veronica assumes that he's trying to get long-term residents to leave. And um, Hiram, instead of saying hell, he says heck, which I think <laughs> is very funny. <laughs> He says that Hiram saying heck is really funny to me. He says no garbage pickup in months and that the place smells like a corpse. And I'm like, a clue? Because there are so many corpses mm -hmm. in Swedlow Swamp? I don't know. There are a lot of corpses in this episode. Maybe it smells like dead bodies because of their dead economy. Uh -huh. Let's revive it. She's like, if you help renovate my store, you don't have to take the midterm. And I'm like, so is nobody going to take the midterm? Like, isn't that an issue for you as an educator? Yeah, I don't think you can just decide not to have a midterm. Like, later she's like, F's for everyone. And I was like, you're going to get fired. <laughs> you're kind of bad at your job. Depending on what your rules are, you can you can do whatever you want with the exams, just depending on what, depending on what they are. Like, depending mm. on what your school rules are. But, like, six, at least seven kids are in on are in for this. Mm -hmm. Like I counted hands. And there's this mm -hmm. one girl in the front who's in this French bulldog sweater, which is adorable. She's look just has this look on her face like she's excited to be there. Like wh whoever it is was just like in it. And then she looks over to see this one kid who's 
wearing glasses and he's in like this orange this orange cardigan like there's a story there (laughs) that's they're important we need to go back to that but it's weird that she puts up her hand and then we never see any girls like we never see any girls refurbishing veronica's store probably because the girls would be like let's not uh print ten thousand dollars you absolute idiots right are they are they even the same kids I don't like think so. two of them are two of them are for sure. But then like we don't ever see any girls in the firefighter storyline either. And I'm just like, how dare you do this to Britta? Where's Britta? How dare you do this to Britta? Oh. Upsetting. So Veronica calls Cheryl Queen Elsa like uh, Casey already spoke about. And can you make me a print to put on my money, please? And uh, I just wanted to say it really does look like Veronica. Cheryl did a good job. Yeah, she really did. No, I like it. Did Cheryl have these art skills before this season? Oh, she sure didn't. I don't think so. Okay. Like... I felt like they came out of nowhere. It didn't dawn on me until today. And then I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I don't think so. Like, yeah, exactly. Like she she fostered this over seven years. And you're like, that's awesome. But then Veronica's like, how are your art skills these days? And she's like, "Ah, better than ever. Or like just as good as they always were. And I'm like, what? (laughs) Like, I know I have these. How do you know I have these skills? So she talks about how there's a town in Oregon and they could only use um, money in the town and they saved their economy. And I think Dave did research on this. So I found an art. I did find an article from July of 2020 where they're talking about a town in a town in Washington where they did that, where they were making $25 bills in the town's name. So it, it's a thing that exists. And then I just went and did a little bit more research on it. There are plenty of places that do this. Uh, Calgary does it. Robin. Yeah, which I didn't even know about. Oops. To be fair, I have never lived in Calgary. I've spent a lot of time in Calgary. A lot of my family members live in Calgary, um, but I've never lived in Calgary. So I feel that I should not be taken down for this. I I live an hour and a half away from Calgary. Sorry. Remember, it's Canada. As soon yeah. as someone enters Canada. <laughs> it's already a made up place. <laughs> everything. When you're in Canada, you're five minutes away from everything. Right. But like, it's like Disney dollars that exist. Like corporations can put this stuff out. They did it. Like old mining towns, old railroad towns would do stuff like this. It was called script, company script, where you mm. would just be paid in the script, which you use to pay for your housing. You used to pay for all of your stuff. You can no longer pay employees in script Mm. since like 1938 the fair labor standards act so like that's why it's important where like i want to keep calling her agatha tabitha tabitha (laughs) Mm -hmm. where where tab where tabitha tells jughead you're still going to get your normal paycheck because she is required by law to pay him in real people's money. Right. I, uh, yeah, but Veronica's like, hopefully they'll pay their, their employees with this. Uh, I think it's funny, however, that Veronica and Tabitha even later only ever give two examples of where you can spend it. <laughs> like you can, uh, yeah, pops and the bijou. They only say pops or the bijou and that's it. And then later Tabitha's like, uh, yeah, like here, or, you know, the bijou. And I'm like, name any other, uh, any other establishment. <laughs> any other place. <laughs> Well, he spends it at the White Worm. You can't. Riverdale's garbage. Yeah. But like even the town that it, the town that it's based on, the one in Washington, you couldn't spend it on stuff like alcohol or cannabis or stuff like that mm. for some reason. Oh, all right. Which is hmm. which is kind of weird. But yeah, no, stuff like that does exist. I took a closer mm-hmm. look at the bills themselves and like the one that she prints are fifty dollars. Mm-hmm. The ones that you get the close up of, but down yeah. to but like it says across the top, United States of America. You can't put that on money that's yeah. not issued by the United <laughs> States of America. Cheryl's like, what? I thought I was supposed to make it look like money. <laughs> so I did. 
and wrong? It's, and you know, it's in red, so it's clearly not real money. I can't tell yeah. if it's in red because Cheryl made it. Well, the fifty dollar bill in uh, Canada is, is red. Oh God, I love Canadian money. It's so durable. Yeah, but this is America. This is God's America, where all of our money's green. Red is fifty in Canada, and so maybe it's a nod to. Um, them working in Vancouver that it's all in Vancouver so so she would make the 50 red however then later Jughead spends his money at the white worm and it's also red but like you you're not like a double shot of whiskey is not $50 yeah no those are fives that I paused and I took a closer look those are definitely fives gotcha and if you take and like looking at the big at the 50 that you get the close-up of like at the bottom it says this note is legal tender for five river dollars like they just didn't change oh the the fine text down the bottom (laughs) also oh my god it's not legal tender Right. Oh my God. Sure isn't. Like legal tender is money that has to be accepted to satisfy a debt. It literally is Monopoly money. Like Jughead was right. It's not as bad as Monopoly money. Like, I, like remember Disney dollars. Like I, I mentioned that for a good reason. Like Disney dollars still exist. You can buy Disney right. dollars. They're only you can only spend them at Disney parks, but you can then exchange them. Why would you want to spend them anywhere else? Exactly. No, it's the, like I'm going to spend all my money at Disney anyway. I, I guess the idea is that it is harder. Like again, the example from. The example in that article I found from the town in Washington, like you could spend them in the town, but only only the businesses could exchange them back for real cash. Mm-hmm. So it keeps the money in the economy and you're spending it in the economy. It makes it harder for it to go out. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, Disney dollars were discontinued in May of 2016. So Veronica says, okay, I'll pay you in Riverdale dollars for remodeling my shop and then you just spend it wherever you want. And I was like, well, I thought they were doing it to not have to do their midterm. Like, this is a really great deal. You get money and also you don't have to do your midterm. And and again, you can't pay, you, you can't pay them in script. Right. So I suppose they're not employees, but still at, at the end of the day, not only are they unpaid interns, they're fake paid interns. Right. So the people who sh- she gives it to can either redeem it with Veronica or spend it elsewhere. She says that she sold her Glamour J egg for $50 or $50,000. $50, also, okay, my next question. Um, It's been five seasons with us in Riverdale. Does Riverdale have a grocery store? Oh my God. You, you could probably use a grocery store in Riverdale. Do we have a grocery? I've never seen them at a grocery store. How many Glamour J eggs does she have? Chad yeah. gave her that one earlier on in the season, like it was her first one, and now she's just selling them every t- every week to for just the hell of it. Yeah, I'm very confused with the Glamour J egg consistency here. If I were to make this make sense, I would think that maybe just like Hiram always buys her pearls, maybe Chad, when he messes up, always buys her Glamour J eggs, and so she's she bought that one and she sold it. And she was like, oh my God, I can sell all my other Glamour J eggs for for this. And this is how I'm going to get a bunch of money. So like, that's my headcanon of how this is working out. But I shouldn't have to do this work. And this should be more clear on the show if that's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, there's a serpent in Veronica's um, econ class when they introduced oh. the script. <laughs> uh, I'm going to cry. I just love the serpent so much. Me too. I couldn't tell what kind of serpent jacket. I know mm-hmm. there's the there's the S one and the circle one. Right. I couldn't tell the difference. Well, I assume that at this point, like, maybe Tony is the only one that has the S one. Like, that's the royalty one? Yeah. Okay. I, do you remember that one time in season two when we were just, like, learning about the serpents? And Jughead was like, why are you smuggling drugs? And FP was like, we're giving Christmas presents to children. <laughs> <laughs> They're so good. I just love the serpents. 
They were so good. So Veronica decides to put herself on the dollar. And if I was just a random Riverdale resident, I'd be like, girl, you haven't lived here for years. Like, who are you even? Mm -hmm. And you're putting yourself on something. It's not It's not called Veronica dollars. It's called River dollars. You're telling me that you're the face of Riverdale? Put Pop on the dollar. Oh my God. That's Riverdale staple that is. Mm-hmm. Put Pop on the dollar. I can't name any other person that would deserve to be on the dollar more than Pop. You don't put someone on the dollar to the point where you want people to, ooh, collect the dollars or stuff like that. You want the right. money spent. Like, it's, yes. it, it's not like coin collection where you can create the value and it just kind of stays out there. Mm -hmm. You, This is something that is designed to be spent. Make it mm. ugly. <laughs> Make it ugly, exactly. Right. America did it right. We sure did. And yet, so wrong. So she says that she introduced, or they all successfully introduced 50,000 River Dollars into the economy. And I'm like, I don't, Riverdale's a small town and with not that many residents. Like, who got, who did you give $50,000 to? I truly have no idea. This I'm like, wouldn't, like, everybody would get, like, $5,000? You just, what, you giving it away? It's like their stimulus checks. Yeah, because it's like, like, yeah. how many shows are you going to at the Bijou? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would love to go to a show at the Bijou. I love Veronica, but I have no idea what she's doing here. She's literally, <laughs> literally just saying Monopoly, but real. Yeah. And that's how we're going to fix Riverdale. So she's like, we're going to put in more money, but we're not going to put in too much or else it'll make our money basically worth less. Um, so Hiram shows up. So before we get to Hiram, that's not how the money works. <laughs> your money is pegged to the dollar. Right. <laughs> if it's dollar for dollar, your money will not be devalued. Right. Yeah. Like what? Yeah. Pops is going to be like, okay, it's $15 for a burger meal, um, but 25 river dollars. <laughs> like we're not changing our menus. <sighs> 25 river dollars. This show. Like, yeah. it, it, like it makes sense. I know what they're trying to get at. And again, the writer's not dumb. Those Discovery episodes are really good episodes. But. <laughs> yeah, right. And also like there's, there's so much that a writer can do when he's in a writer's room. And like the writers, because the writer's room is the one that decides what happens. And then that's the writer true. is the one who goes out and actually writes it. So, you know, Ted could have been like, um, I don't think that's how money works. And Roberto like just like holds a gun to his head, you know, which I assume <laughs> is half of the <laughs> half of the storylines is just Roberto being like, I do what I want. It's 2021. <laughs> oh, I love Roberto. He wrote a storyline on um, Marvel Fantastic Four probably 20 years ago that I still yeah. have somewhere in this room. I digress. Classic Roberto. So Hiram shows up and I just like, why do Veronica's rude relatives keep interrupting her classes? Like if I was one of the class, like the, the students, I'd be like, uh, Miss Lodge, um, huh? Can you tell your relatives yeah. not to uh, interrupt class, please? Hiram's like, listen, I'm an egomaniac, but I never even was going to put myself on a dollar. <laughs> knock, knock. Who's there? Interrupting Hiram. Interrupting Hiram, Miha. too. <laughs> Miha. <laughs> That's That's Miha. One. <laughs> this, this class starts at three o'clock in the afternoon. Anyway, like that's the time on the clock above her head. So it's like, I don't know what time schools go in and out in Canada. Three o'clock is after every school in America is let out for the day. Yeah, pretty much. When, uh, so I work at a, well, I kind of work at an elementary school. So like I work at a community center and then we walk to the elementary school and we pick up the kids and then we take them back to the community center and they get out at 235 but that's an elementary school um when i was in high school we didn't get out until 340 oh my wow. god but we but we started late and mm. i i appreciated that yeah i was like that's okay with me which which is the way it should be like the part of me yeah. that used to be a teacher was like 
there is no reason high schools in America should be starting at 7.15 in the morning. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we started at 7.15 and left at 1.40. Oh my god. What? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's ri- it's ridiculous. I think we started at like 9 or 9.30. Oh my we, god. That would have been the dream. And then we ended at 3.40. I yeah. went to a Catholic high school and we started at eight fifteen. Wow! I don't think I I don't think I ever started school before nine. Oh my god! Oh, ever? That yeah. Been Our bell rang at seven fifteen. Actually, seven ten. I think. I'd rather die. Oh my god! Yeah. So basically, Hiram says, "I see you and Archie doing stuff. Quit it." And Veronica's <laughs> like, "Beat it." Or what does she say? <laughs> she says she says something like, "Beat it, Dad." <laughs> I think she's. Is that when she says, take a hike? In the words of hike. Archie. Oh my God, she, yeah, she tells him to take a hike. Wait, let's go. I know it's in the next scene, but I want to talk about her saying, as Archie would say. <laughs> she goes, you suck. as Archie would say, you suck. I'm like, excuse me, is Archie the only one who says that? Like, <laughs> just Archie. Maybe, maybe I just didn't know, but I was not aware that this was a classic Archie catchphrase. <laughs> I just didn't know. It's a, it's so random. I just imagine <laughs> Archie standing next to her and being like yeah wait what like i like looking back at it in my mind i remember archie saying things suck i just didn't know that that was like an only archie thing like that the writers were like let's have archie say something sucks because he always does that classic archie (laughs) (laughs) i just like like i've made multiple favorite line award gifts of archie being like seriously those guys suck you know and 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 it's funny when he does it i just didn't like it just was super unclear that the post to be like an archie thing that he says things suck yep so Veronica's counting her money, and I love Veronica working in her dad's old study. Yeah, I clocked yeah. that, too. Like, the place where she wasn't allowed to be in. Yeah, I kind of love that, and I love how... With her own pi- with her own portrait of herself back on the wall. Exactly, yeah. Right, which I assume was just, like, in storage from Le Bon Nuit, I assume. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love yeah. that she's, like, just owning her power and, like, her smarts yeah. and stuff now. So Veronica's count is off, and so it must be counterfeit. So she calls Hiram. I love sassy time jump Hiram so much. Oh, my God. Incredible. Like, he's like, amazing what you find in the trash when there's no one around to collect it. Bro, you're real hung up on this trash <laughs> thing, huh? <laughs> Jeez, you bring it up over and over again. Like, you must have a lot of time to uh, come up with these lions. But they're so good. Yeah, and Hiram's like, sorry for counterfeit. You you think I'm counterfeiting your counterfeit <laughs> money? It's not real money, bro. It's not counterfeit money, though. He's like, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Right, it's not even like, none of this is correct. But it is a, <laughs> exactly. it is a store of value. Like, he is, mm-hmm. if they're making more and trying to pass it off, that's got to be some kind of crime. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, it's like gift cards, basically. Each of them is like a $5 gift card. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so she's like, you're flooding the economy with money I didn't print. As Archie would say, you suck. <laughs> and like, it straight up wasn't Hiram. Like, I love, she like hangs up on him and Hiram's face is like, <laughs> I love when my daughter <laughs> yells at me, even though I didn't do it. I still had a great time <laughs> talking to her. He still doesn't deny it the same way he didn't deny setting fire to Archie's. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, it's the same kind of delivery, the same kind of smarminess. It's great. I love Mm -hmm. it. Mark's the best. He's awesome. He's so good. But Hiram's trash. I never saw this coming for Hiram, and I love it. Yeah, he's so deliciously megalomaniacal. Yep. Why can I never say that word? Megalomaniacal. Yes, he's just leaning into it so hard and mm-hmm. I love it. So Veronica goes to school and she says that they have to shut down the whole operation because of all the extra money. The kids have to confess that it's them and she's like, I hate you. Mm-hmm. F's for everyone. And I'm like, uh. <laughs> Ma'am, you can't do that as a teacher. <laughs> yeah, and especially because it wasn't everyone. Right. <laughs> and they have to work it off cleaning up Sketch Alley. 
so they're gonna basically. She's literally they literally she catches the kid red the kid red handed. Literally, yeah. <laughs> and talks about what's that on your paws? Like for your paws. That that's a Cheryl type use of word. Yeah. But I can I can see Veronica saying it. Like it doesn't feel too out of place with Veronica. Yeah, right. But then she's making them work off ten grand. Shouldn't they be working off nine grand? Exactly right. Yeah. One of those thousands was just supposed to be in there. Cool. Great. One of the other uh, podcasts that we have that we haven't talked about yet is our Stranger Things podcast. We did seasons one and two, and we're currently putting out three, uh, season three throughout all of 2021, and having a great time. I love season three. It's our least listened to podcast. I think it's really underrated and I think that you should check it out because uh, we're pretty proud of the conversations that we're having over there. I just recently finished my notes for 303, which is uh, when Mike and Will have that confrontation in which Mike says that Will doesn't like girls. Um, And so I'm really like we haven't recorded it yet, but I'm really looking forward to talking about um, that scene. Oh, I can't wait to hear about that. So definitely check out our Stranger Things podcast. I think we do a lot of really cool character work over there. I would agree with that statement. I think you do. That's a fantastic podcast. That's probably my second favorite next to Lost. Ooh, wow. Yeah, it's so good. And that is uh, that is on my list. I've been told that I'm not allowed to watch The 100, so maybe I should. This is true. Listen, I'm giving you permission to watch The 100. I'm just saying you should stop after season five. Yeah, just pretend it got canceled. Pretend season six and seven didn't happen. Pretend that our podcasts about it were, uh, is just us making it up. It's an AU that we're making up, and I'm really sorry that it wasn't good. It's my fault. <laughs> it's my fault. I made it up. I shouldn't have. My bad. Put it back. Cool. So Casey did the summary for the Archie storyline. Oh. oh, boy. I'm excited to talk about Archie. Oh, boy. Yeah, my... Man, someone tell me in season two that I was excited to talk about Archie. Uh, I wouldn't have seen it coming. Yeah. But these past two seasons with Archie, oh, I love him. Archie I love him. is... Yeah, he's, I must say, he's really growing on me. So true. Archie and Jughead deal with the aftermath of the house fire, which they miraculously survived due to one lone fire extinguisher that Fred kept in the house. While going through the wreckage, Archie finds an old photograph that, much like the military photograph from Riverdale High, starts to give him ideas. The photo is of the old Riverdale Fire Department, which his grandpa Artie was part of, I guess? Sure. This gives Archie the idea to try and restart the Riverdale Fire Department out of the now empty El Royale. He meets with the old fire chief of the department, Chief Russell, to try and get his help, but Chief Russell tells Archie that Hiram fully firebombed the old fire station whatever that means (laughs) and isn't super willing to go up against him archie tells this to veronica who wants to help and says she'll call her bff katie keen whose roommate's ex is a new york firefighter and might be willing to help and surprise corporal jackson is back to visit archie while he waits for a spot in a va home to open up archie brings him to the white worm to meet the guys whoever those guys are (laughs) and discuss his plans for re-upping the fire department no one is really interested but the next day when jackson visits archie's rr otc class the students show a lot of enthusiasm and offer to help bernardo bigsby arrives to train archie and his new recruits who know a whole lot of nothing about fire safety but rule number one no one goes into a burning building alone. We enjoy a fun little training montage, and at the end of the day, the boys sit around listening to Jackson tell stories about Archie, and it's super cute and not at all gay. Their good time <laughs> gets interrupted when a homeless man named Earl strolls in to see the gym being used again and expresses little faith in Archie's plan to help the community after being let down by so many empty promises before. The next day during training, another homeless man runs into the gym saying there's a fire, and his friend, 
Earl is trapped. Hey, remember that rule about not running into a burning building alone? Yeah, Archie fully says, cool, let me do exactly that and runs in to save Earl all on his own. He ends up in the hospital with minor injuries and Jackson is sitting by his side when he wakes up and Archie and Sheriff Keller uh, have to explain the evils of Hiram to him. Jackson gets upset and wonders what he and Archie were even fighting for if this is what it was waiting for them when they returned. That night, Archie returns home to find an angry and armed up Jackson leaving after hearing Earl didn't survive. He wants to avenge his death and take out Hiram, but Archie tries to calm him down. The two have an emotional moment, admitting they both feel lost and defeated and don't know how to move on with their lives. Archie suggests Jackson stays in Riverdale to be their new fire chief and hopes that they can help each other stay sane. The next day, Chief Russell agrees to help Archie after hearing about his heroic deed. And also, Veronica buys the Department of Fire Truck because she'll always do whatever she can to help her Archiekins. Yay! First of all, how heckin' random is this freaking Earl guy? (laughs) Oh, Earl. And then also, I just wanted to say that, like, even if they're not still not willing to go the gay Archie route, Jackson is super gay. Oh my god the most that guy's majorly gay like i genuinely thought when i was watching it i was like kevin is going to clock this right like there's gonna be a whole thing where kevin's like archie jackson is gay i have a gay dark because i'm a gay man jackson is gay and he's gay for you like i genuinely thought that was happening because it was so clear to me am i crazy do we think mm. it's a coincidence that he brings jackson to meet quote-unquote the guys the guys and we don't even know any of these guys except for two of them and two of them are are gay and they're just gays mm-hmm. i don't know i'm just thinking and sweet pea is not any of those guys <laughs> exactly jordan's like i have to go and i'm like where and he's like i don't know hmm. come back sweet pea um yeah there's not a single moment that jackson is not looking at archie with major hard like, eyes i when i was shipping marchie it's because archie was looking at mad dog constantly with these like puppy dog baby i love you eyes Mm -hmm. and now it's jackson's turn to do it to archie i i don't think i'm making this up i have like especially like that scene where he like pushes him up against the wall and like they're like we'll fix each other and we'll we're both lost and so maybe we can help each other become found or whatever like he pushes him up against the wall and his face gets so close to his face that like genuinely not even like wishful thinking i actually thought in the moment that they were gonna kiss i actually thought in the moment that they were actually gonna do it it was there the moment was there it was set up oh god and then it didn't happen but it was it was all there yeah i was like are you kidding me i was like this is your moment roberto i know roberto wants to do gay archie that's all he wants to do and i'm like i understand it's a long con but we're on season five roberto like we're on season five the con has been long we're we're getting old here (laughs) the con has been long do it just do it you coward i wanted it to happen with mad dog but if it happens to happen with this guy sure Mm -hmm. whatever you want i love i love jackson though jackson is a oh i love him like so so much of this coming back from war and just kind of realizing we're doing this for for these corporate interests and these business interests and all this stuff there was a guy there was a guy general smedley butler google him who just served 39 years and then just decided i spent 39 years in the u.s military being a gangster for capitalism Mm -hmm. it's a great story i think yeah i think it's really realistic yeah i think it's it's a very different kind of story for riverdale to be telling 
like mm-hmm. one about like what happens to veterans when they come home and stuff and military stories. Right. If they're going to put Archie in the military, then they better come back with this right. story. And I appreciate that. Exactly. Like yeah, it's a good story. It's a really good story. Yeah. My expectations were incredibly low. I was like, oh, so you're going to throw Archie in the military and then um, we're probably never going to hear about it again. But I'm actually quite impressed that they're like following through on that. And they're actually doing that with like everyone's storylines really is like really following through on what they set up pre and post time jump. You know who I'm impressed with? I'm impressed with the ghoulies who were such good tenants that they left Fred's fire extinguishers in the house. (laughs) Oh, right. (laughs) The ghoulies. Yeah. I liked uh, that point that you made, Casey, because uh, I, I I saw the remnants of them not doing this storyline in like the part where uh, Jackson said that he uh, was going into a VA home and Archie was like, oh, you don't need to go there, do you? Right, 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 right. And I was like, Archie, not like maybe you don't have PTSD, apparently, but that doesn't mean other people don't. Right. Why don't you go talk to Betty? Oh, my God. Your friend with benefits who's also having PTSD? Oh, my God. I oh I have so much to say about Betty, um, but we're not on her yet. But, like, there's a lot of, like, comparisons to be drawn between, like, basically how all of these characters are, like, dealing with their traumas and stuff and, like, the the different things they've been through either in the past seven years or in the rest of their lives. I mean, you have, like, Mm -hmm. Jughead who's completely breaking down and just turning to alcohol and also, like, getting fanatically obsessed with, like, these stories and stuff. Then you have Betty who's completely suppressing everything and like refusing to own up to what she's feeling then you have kind of like Archie and Jackson who are kind of like caught in the middle where they don't want to feel the way they feel but they don't know how to deal with it and I'm excited to start to see some of these people working through their issues because I think that's one thing that's always been lacking on this show Mm -hmm. is like for all the insane things that happen you very rarely get to see how everyone actually deals with the aftermath of that like uh jughead your little sister is like (laughs) oh my god he just doesn't bring it up no one talks about it insane and (laughs) we never hear about it again betty's dad was literally a serial killer and then her brother was a serial killer supposedly i mean debatable but like where is he One thing that I'm becoming very hopeful that this season is going to do is start to actually explore, like, the emotional fallout of going through so much chaotic trauma over and over again. And yeah, I think Archie's storyline is a great example of that. And I'm really excited for it. And especially since it's happening with, like, a male character and there's, like, so much stigma with, like, showing males who have emotions. Right. So I think, yeah, I think this is setting up to be something really interesting and good. I I like the idea of men being allowed to have emotions and work through their emotions. The thing that gets to me as a cishet white allosexual male is the men that are allowed to work through their emotions are then coded as something other than a straight white man. Because it... It feels like it sends the message to my brothers that men can have emotions, but then they're not like you. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it's, and again, this is, this is me acknowledging all of the privilege that I have in the world, saying, being able to see myself in all of these places, but seeing people like myself working through their emotions is something that's blessedly rare in media. Mm-hmm. I don't know. 
All right, you guys. So on this podcast, uh, in the moment, I straight up just changed the subject after this because, to be honest, I kind of zoned out uh, thinking about <laughs> that Miha joke because I, I did think it was actually very, very funny. Um, but I should have been listening, and that's my fault because Dave is actually making a really, really great point here. It is really good to see representation in the media of men who aren't gay who are still crying you know uh because if you're a straight man you're thinking well if i cry that's a gay thing to do and that's always been an issue you know and i just want to make it super super clear that i don't think archie's gay because he cries a lot (laughs) which i respect i think archie is gay because of every single other thing about archie and i think uh, most of us can agree um if you're looking for representation of straight men Uh, debatable. Anyway, straight men who are constantly crying because of their actual emotions and um, not because they're gay. Uh, Hey, check out uh, out Lost. Um, That show is filled with men crying for a myriad of reasons. So yeah, I just wanted to jump on and say that um, Dave's actually making a really great point here and I think that it has legs to stand on. So yeah, just wanted to mention that. Uh, Here's me laughing at a joke that he made a while ago. I think that's a really great, I think that's a really great point, but I just remembered your Miha joke. And like, <laughs> Stop it. But Casey, when you were talking, I, I realized that Jughead, Jughead's re- researching something that, researching something that his publisher didn't ask for. <laughs> like, yep. he sent in his pops, his like pop thing. And they're like, oh my God, yes, yeah. a portrait of a small town. Yes, we want to hear about this. And he's like, how about aliens though and they're like that's not what i that's not what i asked for well okay i just want the alien story yeah like what small town doesn't have something something terrible some terrible hidden secret that turns out to be aliens so jughead says portrait of a town in flames which i think is supposed to be referenced to a portrait of a girl on fire and Brittany was right last episode we didn't see them fix this at all nope sure didn't nope they just say it skipped right over it Yep, Fred kept some fire extinguishers, and I love this because that means Fred is still saving us. Mm. It's been uh, over a season since he passed away, and he but he's still here, and he's still saving us. Yeah, he's still so present, and I really love that. And the ghoulies left the fire extinguishers. <laughs> they Thanks, sure guys. They're like, this is important, Steve. Please don't throw those away. This could be our safety <laughs> on the line. So Archie's grandpa Artie was a firefighter. I don't think we knew that until now. We sure didn't. So that's just like, yeah. Um, like, didn't... It's like Cheryl being an artist this season. I'm like, didn't grandpa Artie have Andrew's construction? Oh. But volunteer fire departments are a weird thing because you can you mm-hmm. can be a member of a volunteer fire department and still have your day job. Like, yeah, if the town's true. small enough, it's yeah. going to be a volunteer fire department because they can't afford a professional one. Right. I love this moment where Jughead knows exactly what Archie's going to do. Like, Archie's like, my grandpa was a firefighter. You know what? We need firefighters. And Archie's like, oh, boy. <laughs> or Jughead, Jughead's like, oh, boy. Yeah. He's like, oh, here we go again. Like, he's like, man, I spent time with normal people. And now I'm back here with Captain Hero. <laughs> Captain Hero. Jeez. <laughs> and he's like, this other dude was a fire chief for 20 years. So, like, let's hit that guy up. And Jughead's like, I have my own storyline about aliens. And Archie's like, bye then. <laughs> so he goes to Pop to talk to Chief Russell. Um, and Russell says that Hiram took the funding, but also there straight up is no firehouse. And so Jug- or Archie's like, we'll just use the El Royale. Captain Russell says, your grandpa was a really great guy. But, like, look, kid, I'm old. So, like, no, I respect you. You should still do it. But, like, I just can't be a part of it. Right. Not only is there no firehouse, but Hiram had it firebombed. Yeah. And I'm like, can I get a flashback? Mm -hmm. 
please. I would love more flashbacks in this show. Like, they gave us a flashback this episode, and I appreciated it, um, but I want more. Truly, how, like, despicable do you have to be to sabotage your own town's, like, safety Mm -hmm. measures? That's, like, I mean, we know there's... He doesn't care. He sucks. He doesn't. He doesn't. We know that. But like, oh, God, every time he does something terrible, I'm just like, really, dude? Yeah, like he's like, oh, they can't look for bodies at the swamp because I need to build a road there. Hmm. And I'm like, no. all right, whatever. You're going to run into those bodies when you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's like, let's just pour concrete on him. I don't care. <laughs> so Veronica tells Archie that Hiram denies the fire thing and Archie tells her that the chief doesn't want to do it. Um, so Veronica's going to bring in Bernardo from Katie Keene to help. And he was ex-boyfriends with Katie's roommate, Jorge. Did anybody here watch Katie Keene? Sure didn't. Nope. Me neither. Uh, so sure. Thanks for coming in, Bernardo. Um, anybody who did watch Katie Keene, let us know if anything happens that is important or uh, to the story. Thank what you. I didn't realize was that I, because I clocked that this guy was, was from Katie Keene and I looked at the IMDb thing. Yeah. Chad. Gecko is also from Katie Keene. Is he really? Apparently he's in two episodes. Different actor, but same character. Oh. Huh. Why would they change the actor? That is interesting. Because he needed to have that horrible uh, cover of... Damn, do I have to watch Katie Keene? Is it on Netflix? No idea. Also, you have Canadian Netflix. I don't think it is. I know, but I still don't think it's on there. Mm. I have to look. Man, maybe I have to watch Katie Keene. Oh, well, whatever. Okay, so now now Jackson shows up. Woo! Yay! So Jackson, I guess, just sat outside on the porch for who knows how long. Mm -hmm. With his rifle. Just waiting for Archie. Yeah, with yeah, exactly. Why does Jackson just have a hunting rifle? Is no one going to mention the fact that he just has a hunting rifle? Yeah, and also, like, why is it a hunting rifle? Like, I don't think yeah. they use those in the well, military. Like, later, later, Reggie and co. have a bunch of hunting rifles. And I'm like, is this the only gun we have right now? <laughs> this is the only gun. <laughs> well, no, he's got, he's got what looks like a hunting rifle. But at the same time, he was a sniper. It could be, uh, like, some old-timey yeah, sniper sure. rifle. I, I, I know him. But I'm like, why do you? need that here true he's just carrying it around on his back like it's no big deal like sir someone could hurt you but it's america you've got a right to have whatever right. gun you want wherever you want true. whatever you want apparently and just out in the open i i think it's funny that jackson just sat outside on the porch and was probably like hmm why is everything charred <laughs> uh, was there like a fire or something that occurred here is this a- maybe i'm at the wrong house no either that or he was like i'm definitely at the right house <laughs> Why is everything charred? It's like, oh yeah, this seems right. <laughs> so he says that he was released a couple days ago and he, and I already know how to walk on my prosthetic. Sure. Okay. He signed up for therapeutic housing and Archie's like, huh, you don't need that. And I'm like, Archie, you're so good at normalizing like girls joining the football team, but please normalize needing help. You ass. <laughs> yeah. He's like, ew, you don't need that. And I was like, Archie, shut up. Yeah. Listen, I love you, but like not right now. So he's like, I'm going to go to the bar and c- so come meet my friends. <laughs> I'm like, you mean two friends and some other random. <laughs> and definitely not Sweet Pea. Yeah. Definitely not. So Archie now lives with Jackson and Jughead. And I don't think that Jackson has met Jughead. So I assume that this conversation yeah. goes like this. Archie goes, so listen, we have another roommate, but he's never here because he's always working because he doesn't have any goddamn money. <laughs> He lives here for free and so do you. You're welcome. <laughs> welcome in. <laughs> Jackson's like, I don't know if I want to meet this Jughead fellow. His name is Jughead. <laughs> it's like, what kind of town is this? Is that like Jarhead? <laughs> <laughs> what does this mean? Like the Archie comics? Remember when he was like, Riverdale, that sounds like a nice place. And now he's, yeah. he's like, huh. Man, screw that Hiram guy. <laughs> Why is everything charred and smell like death? <laughs> yeah, he's like, it smells like a corpse 
in here. He's like, <laughs> Archie's like, you should become the fire chief. And he's like, I'm more interested in becoming like the garbage disposal police. <laughs> Jeez, you guys, I have to play you this thing that I had I had sent to uh, to Brittany and Sam about um, that line where he says, man, screw that Hiram guy. <laughs> Here, hold on. I sent this as an audio message to Brittany and Sam. Eric was just like. Eric, Eric Jackson <laughs> was just like, um, who's Hiram? And so they explained who Hiram was, and then Keller left, and then he goes, man, screw that Hiram guy. <laughs> that was an actual line. Like, wait, way to explain the entire show, just in that one line. Yeah. Yep. Oh, man, screw that Hiram guy. That guy sucks, bro. That's, that's the summary of Riverdale. Like, before he entered the show, it was screw that guy. <laughs> Literally. So... They name this character Eric Jackson. I'm I was okay when his name when his name was Jackson. His name his last name was Jackson. Okay, I get it. Jackson is a common last name. However, naming him Eric Jackson posits a couple of problems for me. You know, just a few. Why? Um, let me let me tell you. Uh on the hundred, so sorry to bring it up, but on the hundred, they had this character who was coming in in season five, and his name was Zeke Shaw. They told us his name was Zeke Shaw. Right before he even showed up, they said his name is Zeke Shaw. We said, okay, we'll call him Zeke. Great. And when the show aired, they said, actually, his name is Miles Shaw. And we were like, well, you told us his name is Zeke. And now we're all going to keep calling him Zeke. Why isn't his name Zeke anymore? And they said something along the lines of like a copyright thing or like another character had a character or another show had a character called Zeke Shaw. So we couldn't name him that. And so we had to change his name. So his name is Miles Ezekiel Shaw now because it's kind of like Zeke, but we don't call him Zeke. And so I was like, okay. That completely forgot he was a person, to be honest. Yeah, right. He died pretty much immediately in season six um, because he didn't matter at all. Yeah, just like everyone else. It's fine. Right. And so I was like, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. So the CW isn't allowed to have characters that have the same name. Got it. So there was a character on The 100 whose name was Jackson. And he went by Jackson because that was his last name. And in like season, I want to say four, they, yes, in season four, because they were making the list. Uh, in season four, Maybe they, even season three. I don't think so. I, oh, maybe it was. Maybe. It, I guess I'll find actually, out. Uh, um, I don't know. Anyway. Uh, they revealed that his name was Eric. Eric Jackson. Um, E-R-I-C. And I was like, okay, sure. So I, they come in with Riverdale and they say this character's last name is Jackson. And I'm like, that's fine. That's a that's a normal last name to have. And uh, this episode, they go, <laughs> the scene begins with, this is Eric Jackson. I spell it E-R-I-C. And I say, I thought that wasn't allowed. I thought it wasn't allowed. And I'm confused. And also, how am I supposed to tag my Tumblr posts now? I already have a tag called Eric Jackson. It's going to be very confusing. I thought it wasn't allowed. And also, I think I choked on my food. Corporal Jackson. When he said that. Tag Corporal Jackson. I just like, yeah, I am. Um, I just like am so confused by this choice. I'm like, I thought this wasn't allowed. I just don't get I know. It. They broke their own rules. You can't just recycle names. Yeah. Choose any name. You could have chosen any other name. It's like Glenn all over again. <laughs> Freaking Glenn. Glenn with one N. So Jackson's like, oh no, Archie's like, I would trust Jackson with my life. I'm like, this is okay, so gay. Um, and he goes, these are the guys. And I'm like, you only know two of them. Kevin says, thank you for your service. And also says that Tom Keller also served. Um, I thought that only his mom served. Like they talked about how she was like overseas, I think in like season. Oh yeah, that's right. Oh yeah. Two, I think. And, you know, I've been asking about Kevin's mom for a really long time, but I remember them saying that she was, like, overseas in season two. So I was like, uh, what about your mom? Uh, whatever. Hmm. And so Archie's like, hey, uh, 
looking for some people to volunteer. Um, and Kevin says he doesn't know anything about fire safety except for he watched Backdraft in middle school all the time because Kevin is gay and so he watched it for gay reasons. Mm-hmm. And so what do they do? Jackson. They cut to Jackson. Jackson laughing. Laughing at the joke. A specific shot. I was convinced that Kevin was going to be like, just so you know, Jackson's gay. And I can tell because he laughs at all my gay jokes. Mm-hmm. 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 It all checks out. Just because you laugh at the gay jokes doesn't mean you're gay. I can have a very detailed conversation about mean girls. Doesn't mean I'm gay. <laughs> For sure. But why did they give him a specific mm-hmm. shot of him laughing then? That's my question. That's true. Yeah, no. Like, uh-huh. he, they uh-huh. cut right to him. I clocked it too. It's great. Yep. Like, yeah. So Veronica's bringing in an expert and I'm like, wasn't wasn't Kevin in Katie Keene for a little bit? He was in like New York or something for a little bit. So maybe he recognizes that name or something. Yeah. He shows up on the IMDb for them too. Yeah. But either way, none of them want to do it. So that's a yikes. Not even the guys that Archie doesn't even freaking know. <laughs> so they go to ROTC and Jackson says that he was a cavalry scout, but then he went to sniper school. And then all the kids ask about Archie. He shows his prosthetic and he's like, oh, he saved my life and he never stops giving back. Mm. And I'm like, wow, you're just listing all the things you love about Archie, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he mm-hmm. is. I mean, I love those things about Archie too, but you know, I don't know. Just being really bold about it. He's like, that's why he's trying to start the fire department. And so the kids offer to help. I just wanted to say that the kid that's like, um, that's featured in this does a really good job, I thought. Yeah. yeah. Like when he shows the prosthetic, he like can see him like tense up and everything. He's the one who's like, I want to help. I checked. Oh wait, he says it in the episode. This kid's last name is Burns. <sighs> Wow. He joins the fire department probably because his last name is Burns. I don't know. Oh, nominative determinism. (laughs) So Archie's like, no, you can't help because you have football in school. And the kid's like, so do you, dumbass. And I'm (laughs) like, someone someone tell this to Jughead. (laughs) Where is he? (laughs) So he's like, okay, you need to be 16 and get your parents' permission. And I was like, those are really good terms. And when Weatherby takes it away, I'm like, but you got your parents' permission. Right. They signed up for it. Like, I know you didn't expect to get to go to an actual fire, but but your parents, but you didn't go in the fire. <laughs> Only Archie did that. Yeah, and it's like I don't know. high high school kids volunteering at volunteer fire departments. It's a thing that happens all the time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but like, hey, remember football? Isn't that a thing that they're doing too? <laughs> right. Where is Britta? Why, why isn't let Britta fight fires? Let Britta do anything. That'd be great. So they bring in Bernardo Bixby from Engine One Four One, and his shirt says FDNY. Wouldn't it be NYFD? Mm. Sure would. Fire Department, New York. No, no, no. They do it the other way. For some reason, it's oh. FDNY. I remember seeing that. Other- like it's NYPD, but it's FDNY. For some reason, I remember seeing it in okay. something. That's upsetting okay, to me. Frequency. So- Maybe? Who knows? Hmm. So no one has any experience fighting fires. And he's like, okay, well, the main thing is teamwork. So no one goes in alone. And Archie's like, time to be a bad role model. <laughs> Literally. Then I think it's just the montage, I think, happens next. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, Bernardo's got this line, like, every team every team is only as strong as its weakest link. So we have no weak links. That's not how chains work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sir, please. Like, really know how that works. Not everybody can be strong, bro. And not everybody's going to be strong in the same way. Mm. Who's smart on this show? I can't name anyone. Oh my god! <laughs> like y- you show you show me men feeling feelings, and then you show me this meathead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At least he's canonically gay. This is true. Oh. <laughs> just, just to let you just to let you know that toxic masculinity knows no sexuality. 
Yeah. <laughs> this is very true. So later, Jackson's telling anecdotes about Archie and says that he tried to feed a stray dog, but it almost bit off his hand because it was pretty much a wolf. It makes sense for, for me because Archie had a dog or has a dog, I assume. Where is Vegas? I don't know. Oh, oh. my God. Where is Vegas? If, it, if it's been seven years, but it's also only been one year, I'm like, that's a lot of dog years. I need to know how Vegas is doing. Um, um, and they're all holding core hydration water. And I was like, is that a product placement? And it is. That's very much a product placement. Right. And it, and I had never heard of it before, but it's working. And that looks refreshing. Oh, wow. Mission accomplished. I didn't even pay that close attention. I was like, what is that? I've never seen that before. And then I looked it up and I was like, where can I find that? I like that it's blue. I believe that was their goal. Yeah. <laughs> but Jackson says that Archie got this scar on his hand. We're never going to see that scar, right? Mm, oh, no. no. The only scar we ever see is the one on his face. Mm-hmm. That's it. So this homeless guy comes in thinking it's abandoned. Earl, I'm sorry. You're random. Uh, Super, super random. And and he just becomes like this really important character. And also later, Jackson's like, that guy was a veteran. And I was like, how do you how? know that? The, I, I was re-watching and looking really specifically and I was like, maybe he says something or whatever. Like maybe hanging from his like shopping cart or something is like something that would tell him that. But I think that what happened was like his friend who like came to like go get them or whatever, maybe told him or maybe Earl told him when he was in the hospital before he died or something. But once again, I shouldn't have to do this work. You know what was in Earl's shopping cart? What? Trash bags. <gasps> Earl's the trash bag killer. Betty, they, your job is over. He's dead. They like had them in the view and it was like right after um like Glenn had called Betty and was like, the TBK is back. Um. So then it jumped to a shot of Earl with his trash bags. And I was like, huh, interesting. Yeah, that storyline's over. Earl's dead. Mm. Trash bag killer. Gotten. Done. All done. Thanks, Hiram. <laughs> <laughs> if he turns out, if if you call this shot, I am going to be so impressed. Yeah. You know what? That's my that's my wild card theory. Earl is the trash yeah. bag killer. <laughs> Earl is the trash bag killer. Um, so, he, so Archie's like, yes, sir, we're trying to make the town better. And Earl's like, yeah, heard that before. Bye. <laughs> I'm like, weird, random. Okay. So they're continuing to do training. Bernardo says, Cadet Burns, answer me some trivia. Because of course his name is Cadet Burns. Sure. Um, then the guy runs in. He says, pool hall's burning down and Earl is inside. And then a backdraft like like Cadet Burns was just talking about and also like Kevin was talking about literally happens. And Archie runs in. Archie, no. Archie, stop doing things without thinking. The boy yeah. punches through ice with his bare fists. He opens doors to to the fire. Uh-huh. Last episode he did. He elbows his way through the glass to get a fire extinguisher. Uh-huh. Like, boy, boy just doesn't think. Common sense, my guy. He don't got it. I, I just missed the opportunity to make a some say the world will end in fire, some say an ice thing. <laughs> Sorry, Cheryl Bombshell. There. My specialty's ice. Oh my god. Cheryl Bombshell. So you literally weren't supposed to go in, in alone and eric still calls archie sir but archie starts calling him eric so they're really just breaking down walls here yeah aren't you not supposed to call a sergeant sir i thought for some reason i i have no idea could not tell you for some reason i remember hearing that as a thing that you called officers but you called sergeant sergeant you called chief chief mm. i don't know i got no idea you, you, I do not you know. gotta you, you got a male voice on the pod i'm gonna yeah. talk out of my ass about the military <laughs> <laughs> so they're like luckily archie you weren't injured and i was like what he ran into a burning building at least does he have smoke inhalation problems like no, literally nothing apparently he has lie in bed for a scene 
Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And exactly. later he's totally fine. Yeah, I find that hard to believe, but sure. Um, So he saved Earl's life, but then later we learn that he died. Tom Keller, who doesn't like doing paperwork, is like, yeah, it was an old building, uh, you know. And Archie's like, I think it was arson. And Tom was like, what? I'm, huh? I'm not hearing that. Yeah, who's to say? Yeah, Tom, you're not doing great at your job, bud. You make a lot of excuses for not reporting yeah. crimes. He's like, well, Hiram's just going to get him out on bail. So why should I have to write it down? Because because it's your job. Just because he, I, this was the thing that bugged me last last week too. It's like they're just going to be out on bail, but then they have to go back and stand for trial. Don't you know how bail works? Yeah, exactly. At least then they'll have a record. Yeah. Jesus, Tom. So they explain who Hiram is to Jackson, and he's like, "Man, that guy sucks." <laughs> like, so true, man. <laughs> Jackson's like, man, in the iconic words of Archie, that guy sucks. <laughs> yeah, no, it, like, what does he say? He says something like, we're cannon, cannon fodder for scumbags like Hiram. Yeah, yeah, fat cat. Like, I love it, love it, love it, love it, love it, love someone who reminds me of Spedley Butler. So Archie starts calling him by his first name because, wow, growth. And um, he's like, it's okay, life is only like this for now. And Jackson's like, no, it's always going to be like this because Earl was one of us. And I have no idea how he knew that. Who's to say? And he's like, what are we even fighting for if we're treated bad when you get back? And I think this moment is when Archie can finally tell that Jackson really did need that program. Mm -hmm. Yeah. um, And that not everyone comes out of it with a clear mind like he did. Yeah. And I think it's the first time that anyone has ever like expressed that verbally in front of him, which like I think starts getting him thinking about how he's coping with being bad. So Earl died and Jackson is straight up going to go kill Hiram. And I'm like, you know what? Many men have tried and also some women (laughs) and he's still not dead i love how he's like man that guy sucks and then he went home and like did some research and was like yo that guy sucks he's like sucks sucks to the point where he's ready to kill him i'm like jackson do it yeah just do it man he survived a mysterious disease that was supposed to kill him i the guy's never gonna die so Archie tries to get him to not do it by like ordering him. And he's like, you can't order me around anymore because we're not in the freaking military. I'm like, hello, this uh, this scene should be kiss central, dude. It sure yep. should. Why aren't we kissing? <laughs> he's literally like, dude, are we about to kiss right now? And Archie's like, no. And I'm like, yes, you are. The look on his face, too, when they're talking about him canceling yes. his slot. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, my God. Like, that's some good fa- That's some good acting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's like, don't ruin your life over Hiram Lodge because I almost did several times. <laughs> Not just once, not just twice. I lost count how many times. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, my life is already ruined. I don't have a leg and I am I've and I fought for nothing. And he's like, it's okay because that program's going to help you. And he's like, no, my, pro- the, his, my spot got canceled. And I'm like, why? You didn't say why your spot got canceled. Why would they do that to somebody? It's kind of just how the VA works, oh. which I think is what they're trying to like comment on is basically just like... That it's so wishy-washy. Veterans have nothing to to fall back on when they come back. I mean, there's no stability. There's no certainty. And you try to get housing and that falls through. And you try to get medical assistance and that falls through. Like, it's the whole system is an absolute mess. And Corporal Jackson is just one example of getting screwed over by the system. And I think that Mm -hmm. also 
is just like fueling his rage. Yeah. So he's like, I needed help. And they talk about how they're both lost. And Archie talks about how he's saving the town just so he can save himself. And he can't tell his friends because they wouldn't get it. And I'm like, excuse me. What did Murray say in Stranger Things? He said the main thing, shared trauma. (laughs) He sure did. Shared trauma. And you've got it. And he had it with Mad Dog, too, because they were both in that penitentiary together. Oh, yeah. Remember when R2 was in jail? I'm sorry. All of this (laughs) shared trauma. Why is this this scene not kiss central? I want more kisses, more gay kisses for Archie. He's only had one, and it was a joke. Yeah, he needs some more, and he needs some real ones, and this would have been the perfect place for him. In the trailer, we see Fangs and Reggie kissing, which makes no sense to me, but I assume it's just some weird spin-the-bottle thing, and I'm like, Archie, hello, your opportunity to kiss both. Boys, hello, here it is. Just take it. Just do it. So he tells them to stay in Riverdale and be the new fire department commander, and they're gonna help each other heal. I'm like I said before, like I'm not joking. I was surprised to myself because I don't like, you know, I'm uh, you know, when I watch it, I'm like, I hope they do gay Archie, but I never actually really expect them to do it. But in that scene, I really thought they were gonna right. Yeah, it it felt like it was so close. If they were going to, that was gonna be the moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like all, his face got so close to his face when he pushed him up against the wall. I was like, hello? So close. Is anybody else seeing this? Like, I'm not crazy, right? That was a such an intense, heated mm-hmm. scene. Like, it, Rele- it should have happened. Release the fire in the sky, gay cut. <laughs> yeah, literally, <laughs> please. Give me my breadcrumbs. So, whether. <laughs> Yeah. So Weatherby isn't allowing the kids to be a part of it anymore because of, you know, the actual burning building. And I I wanted to say he's like, oh, he didn't like me bringing them to a burning building. I just wanted to say, technically, he didn't bring them to the burning building. The burning building came to them. This is true. They didn't really choose. (laughs) But Fangs and Kevin are like, you know what? We should have signed up. Really sorry. We'll sign up now. Um, He's like, well, no one's here to train us. Don't worry. Chief Russell is here and he's going to train them. But we need a fire truck. So Veronica brings one. Because of course she does. And they they don't have to pay her back. She's going to make a Firefighters of Riverdale calendar to cover the cost. Because anything for you, Archie. Mm -hmm. And I'm like... I have to say, I really feel like this is just a nice friendship. I'm not even getting any, like, romance vibes from Barchi at this time, to be honest. Yeah. Because they have no chemistry. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think this is really nice, actually. They have zero chemistry. Yeah. But But it's okay for them to have zero chemistry. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. They just have, like, a very, like, supportive friendship. And it's kind of nice to see that, like, after everything that went down with them, their, like, last few days of high school, they were still able to, like, heal after, like, seven years and Mm -hmm. still care for each other and respect each other so much. Right. It's kind of nice. Before we move on to the last storyline, Casey, uh, will you talk to me about our last podcast that we haven't talked about yet, which is our The 100 Podcast? Will I talk to you about The 100 Podcast? Um, Since you were asking me so nicely, I will, but please know that if it wasn't you, Rob and Jeffrey, prompting me, um, I would avoid talking about that show at all costs. But you know what? The aficionados really work their booties off to give the people what they want. And what the people wanted when The 100 concluded was the good seasons of The 100 covered on their podcast network. And because Robin and Sam are so dedicated and so wonderful, they said, Let's make it happen. So currently, Robin and Sam and occasionally Brittany in the background are covering season three of The 100, which was a pretty good season until a certain point. But you know what? They're going to cover all that for you. And they're talking about um, all the good characters and all the good plots and, and 
just kind of everything nice that happened before everything not nice happened. And it's actually really refreshing to kind of take a walk down memory lane. And yeah, it's it's very nice. That Those are my thoughts. That. Yeah, we also have seasons four to seven. Oh, yeah. Episode, episode like this one. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So by the end, they're going to have a complete collection of every season so that you can listen to seasons one, two, three, four, and five. And then if you need someone to help express your grievances for season six and seven, there's also that. So it's really a, a, a healing tool, I would say. Yeah, I can actively recommend the first five seasons of The Hundred and then stop. Yeah. I but keep but keep listening to the podcast. Oh yeah, right, of course, and then listen to season listen to the season six and seven podcast, so that when you go back and listen to our season three talk, you'll at least know what we're complaining about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I must say that um, as a fellow former fan who was incredibly let down and hurt on many levels by the last two seasons, it was actually very cathartic to um, have your podcast to turn to and um, kind of work through my feelings with. And um, my anger and confusion and stuff felt very justified. Um, So I thank you for that. Thank you, Casey. Hey, you're welcome. So our last storyline for today is uh, the Betty storyline. Once again, Sam wrote this one and I have not read it. So I'm really looking. It's going to be great. All right. Here we go. Betty, Alice, and Kevin hit up their best pal, Dr. Curdy J. <laughs> like the Dr. Curdy J. Robin, get out of here. With the body they found in the swamp while looking for Polly, he says the remains of this girl are about three years old and the swamp preserved her body, uh, just like the maple syrup, I assume. She was killed from blunt force trauma. Betty asks to hold off on sending the body to the crematorium until she can figure out who the girl was. Betty brings him the file of a girl named Margaret Harper, the only missing person from Riverdale in the last seven years. But Junior says that it, but Junior says it can't be her because Margaret had braces and Jane Doe does not. But the fact that the remains are also three years old rules out that it can't be squeaky, so that's four missing girls, including Paul. Holly. Betty goes to speak to Margaret's mother, Deanna. She tells her that her daughter was smart, and but she fell in with the wrong crowd, which sounds familiar. She says Sheriff Keller did what he could to find her, but there's only so much one man can do. Deanna also remembers that Tony was extremely helpful. When Betty gets home, there are muddy footsteps all throughout the entrance. Alice is in the kitchen absolutely covered in mud, but she found Polly's phone in the swamp. I can't believe they made Machen get in that amount of costume mud for a single shot that was maybe two seconds long. <laughs> I love that Sam wrote that because I have the exact same notes <laughs> in my notes as well. Betty goes to talk to Tony at the White Worm. Tony says she remembers Margaret, but that there are a lot of young girls like that in Riverdale. Betty tells her about the body from the swamp and asks for her help to keep searching it. Tony agrees and offers the serpent's help as well. Betty, Kevin, Alice, and Tom all continue searching the swamp, but they're interrupted by Hiram and his cronies, including Reggie. Hiram threatens to shoot them if they don't leave because the swamp is his property. He's putting in a highway. Betty tries to declare the area a crime scene, but Hiram is like, please, you're a child. Be gone. <laughs> Later, Betty calls her close personal friend Glenn at the FBI to see if she can get back up in declaring the swamp as a crime scene. He tells her that TBK is back and he's gotten two more girls. She tells him to handle that and she'll handle her missing sister on her own. Oh, this is where I say that Brittany's theory is that Glenn is the black, is TBK, which is exactly the kind of trauma Riverdale would inflict on Betty. Brittany thinks that Glenn is TBK? Yeah, I think that's fair. I would be so sad if that were true. I would be so devastated for Betty, but I could see it happening. It's a very, it would be a very Riverdale move. It's so mean to Betty. Oh, I hope that's not true. True. Man, they do th- they do that crap to Alice all the time, though. Yeah, they they do not like the Cooper women. Betty goes back to the swamp and runs into Reggie, whom she's annoyed with, but not actually afraid of. Reggie then actually reveals that he also found a body, but he makes Betty swear that Hiram never find out that he told her about it. Free my son, Reggie!
Reggie. <laughs> Betty takes his body to Dr. Cheese Curds Jr. Cheese Curds Jr. And he, <laughs> and he confirms that this one is Margaret. Cause of death is trauma to her whole left side like a wrecking ball. I bet she was hit by a truck. Hmm. I just want poutine now because of Cheese Curds Jr. <laughs> Yum. Betty, Alice, and Tony sit down with Deanna to tell her about her daughter's body. Betty promises to find the man responsible. Later, the three of them meet with Sheriff Keller and they all compare notes. In total, there are 21 missing girls from towns along the Lonely Highway. Betty thinks that that means that they could be dealing with a serial killer. Betty's like, hey, any excuse to talk about a serial killer. <laughs> she really loves talking about her serial killers. Um, So we, oh man, we get Dr. Hurdle Jr. I am so thrilled. They really said, here's a present to Robin specifically. Thank you, Ted. I just love Dr. Hurdle Jr. so much. I think he is such a creepy, spooky weirdo. And it's he's just so fun to watch. He really is. <gasps> I sat down with a stopwatch to figure out how long he's either on screen or in a scene or talking. Uh-huh. There's only a minute and 38 of Dr. Hurdle Jr. What? Oh my god. It feels so long. It feels it like does. so much longer than that. that but that's because it's like three whole scenes and um, the scenes are so short. Like, yeah. I bet the takes for, for every scene in this episode were, like, real simple. Mm -hmm. But my favorite thing about this scene was that I noticed that Dr. Curdle Jr. had a name tag. And I don't know if he's ever had a name tag before, but his name tag says Dr. Curdle Jr. I love it. That's his full name. That is his legal name. Like, it straight up says Dr. Curdle Jr. Betty properly refers to him as Dr. Curdle a couple of times. I know. I was like, please, ma'am, that's his father. Ma'am, ma'am, the junior. <laughs> please, Dr. Curdle was my father. <laughs> so this body is not Polly because this body has been in the swamp for three years. It died from blunt force trauma. Um, she has no identification, so she's just going to be cremated. And I got to say, at the end of this episode, we still don't know who this girl is. No, we don't. It's obviously not Squeaky. We still don't really know where Squeaky is. I assumed, I thought that it was going to be Squeaky at the end of last episode. Yeah, I have not good feelings about Squeaky's fate. Not yeah. that anyone is going to mention Squeaky in this episode. That's us right. reminding them that Squeaky exists. Yeah, exactly. It's just like... <laughs> Now they're bringing back Glenn. And I had said last episode that like, we're putting too much thought into Glenn because Glenn hasn't even been mentioned. <laughs> and now here he is. And now I'm like, oh God, and don't it, be evil, Glenn. But like for Squeaky, you can't name somebody Squeaky. Right. And not have her come back. And have her be such an important reference. Yeah, like if she doesn't come back and try to kill Jimmy Carter, why do you even have it? <laughs> yeah. So Betty really wants to try and find her identity first. And Dr. Curdle Jr. is like, that's totally fine. I will totally keep her for you, um, which I love. What a nice guy. And Alice is going to go back to the swamp to find Polly's phone, which I respect. I'm like, I thought it was like near the body because it was like pretty loud when it was ringing. But yeah, that's what I thought. I, th I assumed that it was going to be like right by the body. But right. it makes sense that if it was three years old, then maybe it wouldn't be. Because mm -hmm. it's because I assumed it was squeaky. And so Alice or uh, Polly's phone, it was like dropped and like dumped with squeaky so that's why i thought that it was just gonna be like they already had it mm -hmm. so don't no never mind wait so they found the phone last episode right no alice finds it this episode apparently not i thought that they did too because we heard it ringing right that's what so, i thought yeah there's no yeah they just found the phone twice and forgot <laughs> they just found it twice kinda <laughs> Pretty much. I'm like, you got to find it now because like, like Kevin said at the end of last episode, well, yeah, we can call it, but it might be out of battery. I'm like, what if you can hear it that night and then the next night it's out of battery and you can't hear it again? Mm -hmm. Like you got to find it when you can. Right. So Betty went through all of the archives. She only found one file and she goes to talk to Dr. Curdle Jr. again, except she calls him Dr. Curdle. Please, ma'am. No. Respect the junior. However, it's not Margaret Harper because she had braces and this girl does not have braces. Because uh, you know how many... 
how very rare braces are. <laughs> right, exactly. Like, what's so telltale about the braces? I like how he calls them telltale. Right, right, well, I think that, like, if, like, you can probably tell based on their their teeth if they've had braces. Mm-hmm. And also it said that when she went missing, she had the braces on. Did we find out how old she was? No, but Betty keeps calling her a girl, like a missing yeah. girl. That's just, it's just like so concerning because normally like, I mean, people can have braces at any age. Right. Um, but typically like, oh, sure. you get them like in your like preteens like right oh good point i think i had mine when i was like 11 and 12 like oh yeah that's very concerning right and like not only would it be like oh no margaret went well margaret was clearly like old enough to go be with the truckers and stuff oh right 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 but like that would imply that like not only was margaret younger but so was this jane doe because betty assumes that it's her you know exactly just because she's with the truckers doesn't mean she's old enough to be truckers oh yeah definitely yeah it's just weird that her mom even though she says that they weren't close but it's like weird that her mom if she was like that young that her mom would be like yeah she was with the truckers i didn't do anything about it though right exactly yeah she had to be a little older yeah polly at least is like in is like what 28 or like mm, mm, she's she like one year old. so she's like 26 polly was like 26 i guess so i don't know but um she says like that's a third missing girl which means that three is a pattern so serial killer and she doesn't even know about squeaky yet because no one would know that she's missing because she was kind of like a drifter like a nomad right yeah she was on her way out and um that's that's actually four <laughs> like that's four mm-hmm at least. Yeah, because Squeaky mm-hmm. was leaving, so the fact that no one's seen yeah. Squeaky isn't surprising. Mm-hmm. Dr. Curdle Jr. describes the, the injuries that the two women in this episode have differently. The first one is just yes. blunt force trauma. The second one, she half of her body is pulverized. That's, right, and that's Margaret, that one. That's mm-hmm. different MOs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. I liked Sam's point in her summary that, like, she could have been got, like, hit by a truck, and that's what happened with Margaret. But right. then what happened to the first one? Right. That's and is true. this ghost, has this ghost truck, has this murder truck been here for three years? Well, then why is it blunt force trauma versus half her body being pulverized? Right. Right, it's not the same. So they bring in Margaret's mom, and she basically says that she fell in with the wrong crowd and started getting with the truckers. She felt like she really couldn't talk to her mom, and Margaret's mom doesn't know what happened to her, which makes it worse. So, like, at least later, even though she finds that Margaret is dead, at least she knows where she is, right? Right, she has that closure. Um, I would be like, yeah, if it was me, I'd be so worried, like, if I had a missing child that they were being, like, abused somewhere, Mm -hmm. and, like, just, like, constant suffering rather than just, like, having died. Right. Is that FBI office set new? new? Because for some reason, I remember Charles's FBI office being a lot smaller. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I thought it was the same, but it actually does look different. Yeah. It looks a lot bigger. Yeah. No, you're right. Actually, like, I kind of remember it bigger because there were more people. Like, it wasn't just Charles and Betty. There were, like, other people in the background sometimes. Maybe. So it was, like, an actual operation. So she says, Keller tried, but he's just one guy. And I was like, you know what? Take notes, Mrs. Clump. Midge's <laughs> oh mom, like, slapped Keller in the face. And I gotta say, like, yes, Midge fully got murdered in front of everybody when Keller was, like, <laughs> in the building. But, like, at least Mrs. Uh, Harper is, like, he's just one man. Hey, listen, it's just one guy. He's trying his best, you know? Um, But Tony helped them a lot. So Betty's like, I should probably go talk to Tony about it. I like how they mentioned that Tony tony's a social worker mm-hmm. like i i love that she's got a credential she might have a bachelor's in social work she might have an msw she might be mm-hmm. a, an in she might have a license and yeah like, i think that's really important i love that for her yeah and she's doing such important work clearly too mm-hmm. yeah like i want to see i want to see antoinette topaz l-i-c-s-w mm-hmm. yeah i yeah 
I like that you can kind of tell that she does this a lot too is like when later Betty's like hey she said that you really helped her it's not like Tony was like oh my god that's so nice that she said that she said her like yeah I tried yeah it's you know it's like she does it a lot yeah it's her job I think mm-hmm. her like upbringing in the serpents probably lended to her wanting to explore that and I just really love that for her. Yeah. So Alice found Polly's phone and like Sam said in her summary, uh, they made Machen get in all that dirt for a 20 second scene. Poor woman. (laughs) Was she just standing in the dining room waiting for Betty to get home? Because that's what it looked like. I think so. I mean, maybe she was just like standing there like in shock or like trying to like process, Mm -hmm. but uh, yeah. So they're like, okay, I guess we'll keep looking at the swamp then if that's where you Mm -hmm. found it. So Tony were Remembers Margaret. There's a lot of girls like that in Riverdale. Um, I don't know why Betty only found one file then. <laughs> right. If there are so many missing girls. She's like, I only found one file. Yeah. But she says it's one of the few that got reported. And so they're looking mm-hmm. for more bodies in the swamp. And she's like, serpents are at your disposal. And I'm like, that's really nice. But it's, I just, I get this weird feeling that they like have to do whatever Tony wants them to do. Like, I know she's the queen, but like, yeah, take the serpents, do whatever you want. And if I was like a serpent, I'd be like, I'm squeamish. I don't want to do that. And Tony's like, do it. Yeah, that's I told fair. her that the serpents had to do it. <laughs> that's fair. She's the serpent queen. But I do like that she's kind of living up to what she was talking to Cheryl about, which is like, right. not just like saying you're going to give back to the community, but actually like actually doing it, getting involved. Like, isn't Betty a serpent? Uh, mm, she did do the serpent dance. She sure did. I, uh, I. She's an honorary servant, maybe. Like, I don't know. I don't remember. At least to me. Yeah. I don't know. So they go to their search party for Polly, and Hiram and his goons also have these, like, hunting rifles. And he's like, this is private properties. I'm going to build my new turnpike here. Reggie has a straight-up shotgun. (laughs) Straight up? Like, what? Like, that is a shotgun. Like, he he cocks it by just jerking, by uh, Mm -hmm. pulling the thing by the yeah. thing. It's 2 a.m., yeah. dear listeners. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's all my fault. So I guess Betty Betty's the only one who's like legally allowed to be there because she's with the FBI. And um, Hiram says that she got that badge from a Jacker Crack box. Yes. Oh my God, Jacker Cracks. Very good. Very good. Thank that's you. What, that's the kind of Riverdale I've been missing. Yeah. Exactly. So Betty asks Glenn for more names and Glenn's like, listen, dude, can we just let the local police handle this like we usually do? And she's like, it's one man, Glenn. <laughs> but So why why is Hiram saying that it's not Tom's jurisdiction when, yeah, it is. Oh, because it's not Riverdale anymore. It's Sodale, probably. And uh, also Riverdale isn't even a town. So then what is he sheriff of? Like, I he's talking to sheriffs. I've got no idea. <laughs> like, he mentions that he's talking to sheriffs of other counties along the Lonely Highway. Right. He's like, I'm not the mayor of Riverdale anymore because Riverdale doesn't happen. And so Tom's like, I'm not the sheriff of Riverdale anymore because Riverdale doesn't exist. Then he's got to be the county sheriff. He's not the sheriff of anything. Oh, poor man. He must be so lost. Because if there's no town, like, then they're all under the county or the state. Mm-hmm. I live in Rhode Island. We don't have... <laughs> county government i don't know how it works we sure don't so glenn's like listen betty i'm busy and uh tbk is back it's in he's in tulsa and um i'm like okay how does this work with my theory it either uh betty or uh britney thinks that tbk is glenn so i guess that works with that theory but like maybe my theory that tbk is the murder truck guy or is working with the murder truck guy maybe is out the window now well not necessarily i mean truckers Mm -hmm 
drive across the country. Yeah. You can have more than one serial killer in a season. Yeah, that's true. This is true. <laughs> We've done it before. There's been two victims so far, and Glenn's like, okay, Betty, sorry. Like, I will help you. And she's like, no, no, it's okay. Just focus on your thing. Um, She starts having, like, more PTSD flashbacks. And I'm like, Betty, if you're having mental health problems, you know who you should talk to? Tony! She's qualified! Oh my god, she is. Or maybe yeah. don't lie to your therapist. That's a good start. Right, right. Exactly. It's like, I had a doctor. Oh my god. And I, I want to see Tony to just give doing therapy. Mm-hmm. Oh, she'd be so good at it. So she goes back to the swamp and Reggie almost shoots her. And he's like, oh my god, damn it, Betty. Because he's just going to give her a warning because he doesn't want to hurt Betty. And Betty's like, because of the person that you're helping and you're working for, I'm the only one who can help find my sister. So like, why don't you just freaking shoot me then? And Reggie says that he found a body when patrolling, but Hiram can never know that I told you. And I'm like, oh my God, good Reggie emerges from the depths. I was really worried that he was just, at first I was just worried that he was saying this for Hiram, like this was a setup, but it wasn't. Why is Reggie the one who's got, who's doing the overnight shift? I bet he volunteered. Like, isn't he the head of this, like, goon squad? Right, and he has a million jobs. And once again, just like Jughead, like, when do you sleep, guy? <laughs> he just Prob- doesn't. It's because he's the most trusted, I think. Probably because anybody else that from the goon squad that they leave here overnight just murders Betty. Right, exactly, right. <laughs> yeah, narratively, it has to be Reggie, yeah. So Dr. Colonel Jr. is like, where did you find this? And Betty's like, um, never mind, ha ha ha. And I'm like, when did Reggie find this? And where was he just keeping this body? Literally. Until now. He seemed very unconcerned about it when he brought it to Betty's right. attention. He was like, I have to tell you something. Just keep it secret, okay? Um, I found yeah. a body. Right, and he just didn't tell Hiram about it either. Yeah. I think this is something that I can't even theorize on. I have no idea where he would have just straight up kept a body. I mean, like, I kind of wonder. Like, uh, excavated it and just kept it. Yeah, I kind of wonder if it was, like, a setup, maybe. Just because mm-hmm. Reggie is just so casual and like cavalier about it and it's hard to believe that he wouldn't have told Hiram or like would have wanted to keep the secret but I don't know I can't read Reggie's character right now well because if you if you show up if if you start discovering more bodies then you have to do more like investigation which puts off the amount of time that's going to take him to construct mm-hmm. this turnpike right and you have more people there and stuff but then you're gonna hit the bodies while you're building the turnpike anyway yeah. unless you're paying the construction team so much that they just don't care and pave right over the corpses mm-hmm. that's gonna be one haunted ass turnpike sure is which, excuse me which uh highway would, would you like the lonely highway or the haunted turnpike <laughs> the haunted turnpike yeah the ha- haunted turnpike yeah and they're like look out for hitchhiking ghosts Ooh. And also men who wear trash bags. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And aliens. So the body that Reggie found, first of all, was three years old. That's right. The aliens are <laughs> the aliens are still in the same episode. <laughs> and it is Margaret Harper. Uh, the cause of death is trauma because this whole side of her body. Yeah, we talked about this already. Pulverized and, is the word he uses. Yeah. yeah, that's a strong word. So Hiram's really pissed about this. Like, how did they find that? And Reggie's like, dude, it's fine. Just like, let them do it. And then you'll look like a great guy. And yeah, it sets the turnpike back. But at least like you get clout as like a hero or whatever. And Hiram's like, thank you, Reggie. And I'm like, I hope that Reggie continues to be useful like this, where he's like, Useful in uh, convincing Hiram in things that are good for our agenda. Right. But he then turns around right away and says, but remember, there's something even worse we're going to be doing. Right, exactly. No, that's so true. It's like, yay, good guy Reggie for 30 seconds. Yeah. And then, 
oh yeah, Reggie's still evil. Right, how much is good guy Reggie and how much is like Reggie like saying things just to make sure that Hiram still thinks that he's on his side, you know? Like I, I hope that like good Reggie is actually in there and he's just saying these things so that Hiram isn't um, like suspicious, maybe? Mm-hmm. I hope. So, but what's this real end game then? That's, I, that's I my know. question. Yeah. Because they said, like I said earlier, they said the... Uh, he used the word smoke screen. It's so he can actually contact and uh, summon and the harness aliens. the power of the Mothman. Yes. Right. That must be Hiram's endgame. Hiram's endgame. That's what the flashback <laughs> episode is. Yeah. <gasps> oh. <laughs> I'm like, oh, like clearly Hiram's in it. Hmm. So we get Deanna Harper again, and now at least she knows where her daughter is. But I'd also be like, did, are, are we telling her that her entire left side of her body is pulverized, though? Yeah, maybe let's leave that out. She doesn't know who did this, but Betty, like, vows to find out. And I just feel bad that Alice is here because she has to, like, look at this mother who lost her daughter three years ago. And Alice lost her daughter in basically the exact same way and is probably worried that she might be her next. Right. She's probably seeing herself in her shoes, Mm -hmm. which is just horrible. Give Alice a break, goddammit. So true. So they invite over Keller and Tony and they're like, Margaret and Polly are missing. Squeaky is not on the list right now. And we still don't know who that other original one was. Keller got 13 more names from other counties and Tony got 11 names from social workers from other counties. Five of the names that they got coincide with each other. So that's 21 missing girls in all. And they can't all be runaways. So is it human trafficking? But Betty, of course, thinks that it's a serial killer. Wait, so it's a so it's 11 plus 13. Right. And it's five overlapping names. Uh-huh. So that's... 11 plus 13 minus 10? I think it's 11. That's 6 plus 13, which isn't 21. Oh, and then plus Polly. I'm gonna go to the math. Plus Polly and plus Margaret. Oh, minus, it's minus 5 because there's 5 overlapping names. So, yeah. So it's 11 plus 13 minus 5 mm-hmm. is 21. Okay. That's a lot of missing women. No, wait a minute. That's 14 minus 5. The 24 minus 5 is 19 plus 2. Yeah, plus Polly, plus Margaret. And I'm like, okay, yeah, but also plus that random girl. But I guess she they assume that that random girl is one of the girls on the list. Now, if it's one plus two plus two plus one. Yeah, yeah. Okay, do you guys have any, like, theories about, like, TBK or the serial killers or anything that we, like, haven't already talked about on the pod? I just have... I'm wondering if the whole, like, <laughs> alienness of it all and... Like, the TBK and the trucker are, like, all gonna coalesce into, like, one kind of thing. Because I started Mm -hmm. thinking earlier this morning, I I was reading up on my alien abductions, and... There's some like fascinating studies and stuff focusing on like accounts of alien abductions and gender. And there's kind of this juxtaposition between, wow, if I could finish a thought, that would be so cool. Um, it's really early. I respect you. It's okay. I don't really know where I was going. Um, But basically, a lot of the times in accounts of alien abductions especially women's accounts there's a big emphasis on body and like a complete loss of like bodily autonomy and Mm -hmm. i'm just considering like the comparison between like the abduction of these women like on the lonely highway and then like also like alien abductions and i'm like Mm -hmm. are these things gonna join together are they gonna like relate 
at all or they gonna remain totally separate stories i don't know but i'm just interested to see how this all plays out because right now we have like three or four huge mysteries and not a whole lot of answers so right it's way too many stories for them to each have a satisfying conclusion if they're all related that's one thing but then again tbk is just so removed from everything else yeah, that, I really want to want to know more about like him. location wise. Yeah, yeah, location right. yeah. wise. I I want to know why they went out of their way to name Squeaky Lynette Squeaky. Right, and like that's not a throwaway name. You're not naming someone that just for a one line gag. Right, but at the same time, the. <laughs> The serial killer and the dead bodies are the least compelling storyline for me this season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's so Riverdale, which is so which is so strange. Like I- I'm loving what's going on with Jackson and Archie, mm-hmm. loving the alien abduction storyline, which is coming out of nowhere. Right, and like we've had serial killers before. This is mm-hmm. old hat, like. And then that weird author headcanon at the beginning of this season where they made Charles a serial killer. That's yeah. weird headcanon. I don't know how it ended up on screen. Right, yeah. Because <laughs> that, that didn't happen. They definitely just went to Disney World and it was a great time. Thank yeah. you, Phoenicians. Yeah. <laughs> Can you tell Dave read my fan fiction? <laughs> oh my god, it's so good, you guys. Read it. She's Robin E. Jeffries pretty much everywhere. Including pretty much Jeffrey. everywhere. Yeah. Um, should we move into segments? Let's yes. do it. All right. My first segment is which character needs a hug the most? And this episode, I'm going to give my hug to Jackson. Yeah. Oh, that's such a good choice. So I'm going to do Sam's segments. So Sam's first segment is, did anyone mention FP? No. I looked around and... I looked around in all of the scenes where they're in the Cooper house. Where they're in the house mostly you can just see like the twins toys but at the last scene when they're at the dining room table you can see a hutch in the back there is a picture of what appears to be a man just a single man as far as I'm concerned yeah, right. that's a picture of FP. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Yes, we'll take it. We'll take it. And then, uh, Casey, you were going to do Britney's segment. Oh, yes. Uh, my segment, aka Britney's segment, is which MILF was the most badass? I am truly like a dead tie between Alice and Tony. Uh, they mm-hmm. were both so badass in their own ways. Um, and also an honorable mention to um, Margaret Harper's mom. I just yeah. thought she was like really sweet and like um, I just wanted to give her a hug. Um, yeah, basically, you know what? Shout out to all the moms in this episode. Yep. You know what? This episode is dedicated to moms because- Not you, Nana Rose. <laughs> Not you, Nana Rose. Everyone but you. Because yeah. Brittany's sister is about to be a mommy. So yeah, you guys. This one goes out to all the moms. At the point that we're recording, she has been in labor for 29 hours. Oh my god. That is a very long time. I thought I thought that when we recorded this podcast, I was going to be able to be like, oh my god, I just got the text and Lindsay had her baby. But it hasn't happened. I assume, and I don't think it's possible for it not to be true, but I think that we can say that by the time this episode comes out, the baby has been born. Um, You know what? My Witch Milf Was the Most Badass Award goes to Lindsay. Thank you. Yay, Lindsay! Yay! Hey guys, a update. Brittany's sister's baby was born on Saturday, March 13th, and she was in labor for around 40 hours, so yikes. Um, but mother and baby are now currently healthy, and uh, everything is good. So just wanted to um, let you guys know about that. 
And, uh, yeah. Sam's next segment is, what is Sam shipping the most? So Sam would probably be... I I really hope that Sam is shipping Jugatha really bad just Mm -hmm. because she's watching X-Files right now. And here are young, cool Mulder and Scully. Mm Mm-hmm. I think that's fair. Although I hope she would also be shipping uh, shipping Archie and Jackson. Do they have a couple name? I don't know. I've been trying to think of one. It's like Archie. Oh no, Archrick. And then there's Jackstrews and and Son. So I, I'm gonna go with Jackstrews. This makes me uncomfortable. Cursed. (laughs) Um, And now it's time for our best line award. Um, My best line award goes to Jughead for... Why is Veronica printing Monopoly money with her face on it? (laughs) Which is just classic Riverdale. And I had to give an honorable mention to the, the line that actually made me laugh the most this episode, which goes to Jackson for... Man, screw that Hiram guy. <laughs> Man, that guy sucks. That guy, uh, in the famous words of Archie, that guy sucks. Understatement of the century. <laughs> uh, my best line award goes to Veronica for... Well, 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 if it isn't Cheryl Blossom. I had heard rumors that Queen Elsa had come down from the mountain. Oh my god, so good. Yeah, I, I suppose that I'm... I suppose I need to watch Frozen. I haven't seen either of them. Oh my god, you must. Ooh, what? You have a toddler. I have a toddler, but we don't usually sit her down for movies. We sit her down and watch mm. an episode of Bluey for seven minutes at a time. Oh, you simply must watch Frozen. One and two. Yes. And my best line award goes to Cheryl for... I've seen a porcelain doll possessed by my deceased brother move faster than you lot. <laughs> I love the line. I love the reminder of the madness of this show yeah. in that one line. How many times did Madeleine have to say that? Oh, my oh God. so many. God bless her. Now, do you guys have time to do a trailer reaction yeah. real quick? Oh, sure. Okay. I haven't seen it yet. Oh, right. Okay, here we go. Three, two, one, play. Hear ye, hear ye. I'm throwing a party. I'm excited. Oh, my Cheryl is back. Firefighter Archie. It, it's just a key party, isn't it? Get your hands off her. There's the drama you wanted. I that's exactly what I wanted. I say thank you. Yeah, go home. Yeah, exactly. Why are you even Dang, here? Like it? she told you to leave. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it. Is there there's no extended one? I really I miss their extended promos so much. They were the best. I am positively thrilled for this episode. Me too. Okay, so we have Betty and Kevin, and it looks like someone else talking to them, but I can't tell who it is. She's throwing a party. It Betty and someone drinking. Kevin? Archie with Archie with his firefighter outfit. Oh my god. It's just gonna be another Barchie sex scene. But I can't tell. Where is this? Is this Betty's room? Oh my god, is he posing for the calendar? Oh, it could oh be the god. calendar. But that's like there's a robe behind him. Oh my god. Okay. Are you guys on this shot of Tony? Tony is making this face and everything. She has this like tattoo on her on her arm. I have that tattoo. I don't know what it says. I don't know what hers says, but mine's just a line. And that's exactly where I have my tattoo. That's a tattoo? Wow. I Like, that's where my tattoo is. Which arm? Uh, It's my right arm. So it's uh, her, her, the opposite of her arm. So Does she you... have a Does she have a ring on her left hand? No. Yeah, that, a that's yes. a ring. That That's a ring on her wedding finger. Interesting. Okay. 
multiple choice. I don't think that looks like a tattoo. It just looks like a birthmark to me. Oh, it's so black. I don't know. Okay, Jughead and Tabitha showing up to the party, and I guess they're, oh, they're putting in their keys because Cheryl is a good person who says, we're all drinking and you're not driving. I love her. Are you sure that's what it is? Actually... I don't think that's what they're playing, Robin. I think it's oh. a key party. What is that? I'm Ace. Oh. Please, I'm Ace. Oh, Robin, it's a sex party. Oh, please, I'm Ace. You don't do this out, to me. You, everyone puts their keys in a bowl, and then you pick out the keys, and like whoever's keys you grab, you like pair off with. Oh, why would you do this? This seems bad. I don't know. Because allosexual people like to have sex with random people. So weird. I don't get it. Don't worry. It doesn't make a ton of sense. <laughs> or, Jughead, oh, why are you here? Or maybe... Jughead, I know I gave up on Jug being ace, but, like, Jughead, get out of here, man. <laughs> you don't deserve this time. Or maybe Cheryl just wants them to be responsible. Maybe you're right. I think that's probably what it is, actually. Maybe, or maybe she wants them to be responsible. I, I love that it. we're finally seeing Tabitha in something that is not a Pops uniform. I know, I love that she's there. Right. And looking at this uh, bowl of keys, um, I think Jughead... Oh my god, she has the Pops keys. Jughead has a, a burger keychain. Mm-hmm. Yep, on a chocolate shop. Yes, and th so that's Tabitha's is the chocolate shop one. Okay, so we've got... Somebody's got a bulldogs. So we've got Minerva Marble is here. And then Veronica, Chad, Archie, Jackson. Archie, Jackson! Archie, Jackson! Oh, Tabitha dang. and Jughead. Reggie. Why is Reggie here? Like, don't we hate him? Like, really? <laughs> like, why would you invite him? Betty, Kevin, Fangs, and then this dude? This dude. Yeah, I have no idea who this dude is. This random guy. And then Tony. I have no idea who that is. Okay. And then Tony. This is the shot I was talking about earlier, where you've got Minerva yeah. and Tony on exact opposite sides with Cheryl right Oh, totally. Who is that man? I have no idea who that man that is. Is. Okay. is that Glenn? No. 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 I have no, no idea. Like, I, I'm spitball. I, I've been, I, I, that man's face is burned into my brain and that's not, and that's not Glenn. Okay, so here's Fangs and Reggie kissing. Also, oh, you know what I forgot to mention was Kevin being like, ugh, story of my life when Archie was like, I'm looking for a few good men. I was like, you're in a long-term relationship, sir. <laughs> Like, go off, I guess. I keep rewinding this kiss, trying to figure out what I'm looking at. Yeah. Okay, so we have another, like, group shot with uh, Archie and Chad, like, masculine, trying to out-masculine each other. And we've got Marble, Cheryl. Oh, we've got a better shot of that guy. Yeah. It's like, now he looks like Jackson, but it, but, but Jackson was in the group shot, and it wasn't him, so... I still don't know who that man is, basically. Um, and then oh, now Minerva's got the got bowl. the bowl of keys. Yeah. Okay. And so now Chad is like, "I'm not doing with your ex, man." And get her, get your hands off of her. This is exactly what you asked for yeah. last episode. It, it is. I don't want like like I was not asking for a sex party though. To be clear, <laughs> uh, it's not what I was. Asking we didn't for. want that. Maybe it's not a sex party. Like sh this is so Cheryl though, because even in the pilot, she was like, "It's been the battle." <laughs> <laughs> that it is exactly the kind of thing that Cheryl would do. Yeah. All right. Now I'm going to do the outro. Yay! Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the podcast. Our music, or actually, I bet you guys could probably <laughs> do this outro. Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. Thank you so much to my roommate Emily for sitting in her room for this one. I always feel so bad because on Thursday nights when we usually record, she's at work, and so it doesn't matter. But since uh, all of that happened uh, this week, we're recording on Friday night, and so I have to make her sit in her room, and it makes me feel really bad. And so I appreciate that she's always totally willing to do that. So I just wanted to give a shout out to Emily. She's the best. Thank you, Emily. Even if you do want to kill me right now, yeah. <laughs> leave. 
a review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars. We would very much like five stars. You can also leave a review, which would be great, but the stars are great. Yeah. If you're a fan of The 100, you can talk about that show too. We talked about it earlier. Our other podcasts are Lost, Stranger Things, and Star Trek. We all talked about all those things earlier. They're so good. They're so good, you guys. Listen to all of them. Follow The Aficionados at The Aficionados on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, Redbubble, YouTube, all the places. Mostly Twitter, but Robin does make gifts of the favorite line awards on Tumblr. True, I do. I made some this morning. Oh, I can't wait to see them. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash theaficionados. If you like what we do here, please consider donating because, yikes, it is expensive and uh, please. And uh, it'll be made worth it very soon because I'm going to give you more things to make it worth it. Please support them. They work so hard. They do. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-F-F-R-E-Y. Pretty much everywhere. Casey, where can we find you? Oh, you can find me on Twitter at Casey Watches TV. Um, that's C-A-S-E-Y. Uh, watches TV. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to spell that. Um, or you can follow me and my small business at LF Candle Co. Pretty much everywhere, including TikTok. I have fun Yay. times over there. Dave? You can find me on Twitter at 1701 Trekkie. Yes, it's a Star Trek name. Yes, I don't exist as a real person. Sorry. <laughs> you guys can feel free to look at those in the description. It'll be in the description. Fantastic. The next episode. Oh, and also I I wanted to thank you guys so much for pinch hitting at like uh short notice thank you so much for coming we, you guys were both great and i appreciate it so much i'm glad to be here any time this was a thrill i'm so sorry it took so long it, it's always takes extra long time when you're like on skype because you're just waiting for other people to answer and a lot of it's like yeah no it took so long because my um internet was being mean to me um so really i apologize but but then we but then we even recorded for a really long time i had a i had a fun time i had a fun time i'm a little tired but that's just because yeah. it's 2 30 in the morning and i haven't seen 2 30 in the morning without a crying toddler since uh oh Good night. Wow. <laughs> uh, the next episode is next week. I'm really excited about it. It's called Lock and Key. Um, so I think that this is a reference to uh, a comic book series called Lock and Key, but the lock has an E on the end, like the character from Lock. Oh, my God. It's an American comic book series written by Joe Hill and illustrated by Gabriel Rodriguez. And um, they recently made a Netflix TV show for it. And um, one of the showrunners was Carlton Cuse, who was one of the showrunners on Lost. I never watched it, but maybe I will now. Um, the summary goes like this. After Rendell Locke is murdered at the hands of former student Sam Lesser, his wife Nina decides to move with their with her three children, Tyler, Kinsey, and Bode from Seattle to Matheson, Massachusetts, and take residence in Rendell's family home, Key House. The children soon discover a number of mysterious keys throughout the house that can be used to unlock various doors in magical ways. They soon become aware, though, of a demonic entity that is also searching for the keys for its own malevolent purpose. So that sounds kind of cool. Um, I think... Kind of sounds like everyone against Hiram, you know? Right. And I, I kind of like, you know, it being like a big house, you know, like because she's, mm -hmm. she's Thornhill and everything too. So... Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think that's what the reference is. Yeah. This, is gonna, it, this might be the first them welcoming everybody back to Thornhill for the first time. Yeah. Mm, I have very high so. hopes for this episode. Really excited. Okay. Okay. Love you. Bye. Okay. Love you. Bye. Okay. Love you. Bye.